Um, this is weird. I didn't, Tanner, you, you haven't listened. Oh, yeah, by the way, we have a guest this week because Nick's busy again. Uh, Tanner. What up? Happy to be the guest of the week. Well, like you had, did you listen to last week's episode? Because I know you're like a sort of infrequently frequent like listener. Uh, which was last week's episode? The guest. No, I didn't watch. I haven't listened to that one yet. No. Okay. So like last week, Devin was on and he did like the, oh, right. Like, like the way that Nick opens every episode. And I just, I just don't feel equipped to do that. I feel like I'm kind of like stealing his thunder in that way. So we're going to go with this very awkward, odd, and like beginning we're rolling with right now. Yeah. You know what? But I think, you know, it fits our, like, our vibe. Our vibe, <laughs> our vibe is awkward, weird children, basically, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's a different vibe when it's me and you on the mic, so. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, like, us on the mic, um, we did a podcast when you were, like, 14 together, right? Man, so long ago. Back we in the talk day, movies. We would talk about comic book movies. Yeah. Comic book movie movies. <laughs> yeah, that was fun for a while. It feels so different now, because, like... Now, I mean, people who listen to the show know me, at least. Like, when we started that show, we were all about, like, holy God, like, what's fan cast? Like, an Under the Red Hood movie and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And now you and I collectively were just like, fucking comic book movies. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, because it was like, now they've, like, done everything. And that's all there is. You know, back then it was still <laughs> like, man, I hope one day we get to see, like, Batman and Superman in a movie together. And now it's like, that's all you're going to see for the rest of your life. And then they gave it to us. We were both like, "That that really sucked." Oh, oh my god, that hurt me. And now it's just like we're just we're just people who are like walking away from it. The thing we love, we're like Spider Man, and like no more, no more day. What is it? Yeah, it, yeah. It was, uh, when he, yeah, the iconic <laughs> Spider Man, no more. When he's throwing yeah, his suit in the trash can. I was watching clips of Spider Man two yesterday, actually, because um, in between yeah. the, the NBA games, it was on TNT, and I was like, "Ooh, boy, just phenomenal stuff, man!" I love it's that just movie. the best. Yeah, no, I mean, that's one, I'm probably going to rewatch that soon, too. I know when, like, that new Spider-Man, Spider-Verse comes out, I'm going to get mm-hmm. in, like, a Spider-Man mood, and I'm going to want to rewatch like, that, because it's so good. Well, you're one of the people who will, like, if a new movie of, like, a franchise you enjoy is coming out, you'll go all the way back. Like, I remember in the build of the Batman, even, you were going back to, like, 89 all the way through. Yeah, well, it depends on uh, the, like, franchise. Like, I don't do that for everything. But if it's been a while and I kind of want to go through it, I kind of like to... I did that with the Batman because I was like, this is a new Batman. So I kind of wanted to go all the way back to, like, Batman 89, Return, do it all. Uh, but it just kind of depends. Like, I know, like, like, we have a new Fast and Furious coming out. I'm not watching all of those again before <laughs> the new one. You know, I may pop on like a Fast Five for fun, but I'm not gonna go. Like, it just depends on the on the franchise. Well, you're gonna be disheartened to find out that the next movie series Devin and I are gonna watch is Fast and the Furious. We've we've seen none of them. I think I've seen like five you've or eight, maybe. No. Dang. Am I missing much? I mean, you've seen them. I mean, I I think that uh, there some of them are really fun, like really just a blast mm-hmm. action movies. Like I I think that. Fast Five, Six, and Seven are really good little action trilogy. I really like those a lot. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of nostalgia for the first one because I kind of grew up watching it as a kid. <laughs> um, and Tokyo Drift is, is fun. I like that one too. So I, li- I don't, but they're just kind of like, I think you just, you just kind of have to see. I, you know, some people think they're like the worst thing and then some people <laughs> love them. <laughs> I'm kind of nervous about it because I'm just like, I think it'll be like, because there's like 20 hours of content, which is what I yeah. think Devin and I found last week. 
And it was just like, oh my, why are we doing this to ourselves? If like we could just go all through like the cubic filmography, but instead it's like, man, fast one through nine, we gotta go, we gotta hurry up to meet Fate of the Furious or whatever. There's Fast Nine, whatever the fuck. Oh, yeah, it's whatever. Called. I know. Uh, I think I bet you you'll uh, the first like three or four. I don't think you'll like all that much, but I think <laughs> if you make it to five, if I make it, to- <laughs> if you make it to five, I think you might enjoy it because five is a really at least, like, for me, I found that you kind of have to just, like, let, your, like, let everything go and just kind of commit yourself to, like, these are the movies. And I got to just get aligned with, like, the vibe of them. Because they're, when they're not really taking themselves... Seriously? Serious, yeah, I don't know. They, they find this weird way of, like, they're not... Now, now they get a little bit too in on the joke, where now they're kind of in on it. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Maybe it's that, like, they do kind of take themselves seriously. They kind of have, there's a sincerity to them. Maybe it's not they take themselves seriously. There's, it's this weird blend of, like, we know we're kind of stupid, but we're also, like, very sincere about it. And that's kind of charming. It's not, like, meta, like, making fun of itself, you know? Which I, like, I get so annoyed now. So many movies are like, (laughs) this is stupid, isn't it? You know? Yeah, they, they're stupid, but they're not like we're stupid. It's just kind of like we're having fun. I don't know. It's hard to explain. You just gotta watch them, I guess. Like I think I know what you mean. Where like the characters poke fun of themselves, but the movie isn't actually like we know this is dumb. I guess like you know like there's like yeah, a... it's like this. It's just a weird like they this weird like wire act that Vin Diesel has uncovered <laughs> that like and like. <laughs> But, like, The Rock in the fa- in Fast Five is genuinely, like, so much fun. Like, that, if The Rock was doing that, I would be All one of those time. guys that went and saw, like, every Rock movie. Because I'd be like, he's so fun, you know? I can confirm we did not do that for Black Adam. As someone who watched no. Black Adam, just a terrific mistake on my part. Yeah, I saw Black Adam, too, yeah. Oh, man. Why did, why did we? Like, I think I knew going in, like, this is probably really bad. But I'd also heard enough like, man, this is kind of competent that I was like, all right, let's give it a spin. It's on HBO. And yeah. then it was it was definitely the former. And I was like, this is fucking awful. Yeah. Uh, sometimes Jesus. I'm just like, you know, I want some popcorn. You know, I'll go to the movie. <laughs> I want some popcorn. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I, I like popcorn. You know, I'll go see this movie that everybody says is bad, you know. And sometimes, you know, you have a good time even when everybody says in movies i've done that sometimes i've been like eh, it's not that that was kind of fun i didn't think it would be but you know what i feel like that's gonna be with shazam too which i've yet to see and i'm kind of not that. okay i'm kind of dreading it a little bit well did you love the first shazam i did i really liked the first shazam well then you may be disappointed i thought oh, the, first shazam, the first shazam i was like all right and this one i was like all right you know so i didn't really I wasn't as upset, you know. I, you know what's weird about this movie, and I don't Hit not me. to make this a Shazam conversation. No, I mean we could do a Shazam cast. You know, this is great. Um, I really like the director who makes the Shazam movies. He seems like David a really Samper. cool guy. Yeah. So, um, no like disrespect to him or anything, uh, but I find that I really like those movies when it is about the kids in the movie, mm-hmm. like that kid that plays Billy, that Billy's friend that um, has like, the crush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freddie, Freddie Freeman. And um, even like the new, pe- and there's that that one girl, Mary. She's really good. Yes, and, Miss Marvel. Yeah, and uh, even in the new one, they added that Rachel Zegler, who was in West Side Story, and she's mm-hmm. really good too. And like when they w- focuses on the kids, I was really charmed by it, and I thought it it really kind of worked for me. 
it was just when it was about like Zachary Levi Shazam and in the whole you know Captain Marvel family that I was like less into it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which is it's... I guess a problem if it's a superhero movie. But I kind of would like the kid. Like I would watch another one if they were like this one's more focused on like the kids, the kids, and they're and they're you know in this orphanage. They're kind of like fun, you know, foster yeah. parents, you know, like I kind of liked that vibe of it. You but, go to WB, you know. you're like, what if, all right, I'm going to pitch Shazam 3 for you guys. What, what if, if we do, no <laughs> what if we do Perks of being a wallflower, but with Shazam, but no Shazam? And they're just like, excuse me? What if we made like a Linklater movie, but with these <laughs> kids, you know? You just, just gave me a perfect segue that I can't yeah, take because I, I wanted to say, like, when I watched the first Shazam 2, I had this very, like, similar feeling of, like, when the kid, like, Asher Angel who plays Billy is, like, doing a really good job and he's, like, emoting a lot and it's super sad. He's like, my mom doesn't love me and I am upset and I'm an orphan and I'm rebelling. And the first scene where Zachary Levi shows up, he's just like, hey, Freddie, I'm, I'm looking, like, I got a sign and I'm, like, doing dance moves and I'm like, that kid was depressed about 10 seconds ago. What just happened? Yeah, I think it's like Zachary Levi being like, what are children like? They're kind of silly. <laughs> yeah. It's like he doesn't have to be a little 12-year-old when he becomes Shazam. He could still be like a normal adult man. Like, I, It's just so odd that they've always done that in the two movies. Okay, well, this is somehow a podcast um, about Everybody Wants Some, the 2016 Richard Linklater directed uh, and written movie that uh, we both love. And I yeah. feel like... When people think about Linklater, the first couple of movies are always like Days and Confused, Before Trilogy, Boyhood, all rightfully so. But maybe this is just me, and this is like an opening volley here, and you can take it wherever you want. I feel like this is like within that canon just as much. It, it's earned the right to be in like the top four movies of his in the last, like, I don't know how many years. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at his filmography now, and like my favorites from him are Days and Confused and the Before Trilogy and Boyhood. <laughs> But I think right after that would probably be Everybody Wants Them. Yes. Yeah, like, I mean, I love, um, you know, Slacker's really cool. If, uh, especially, like, when you think about, you know, how young he was and, like, you know, what that movie is with, like, the, you know, that indie as, like, an indie film with no yeah. money or actors or anything. And, you know, Bernie's really funny and tape is interesting. And then you get to, like, sort of what people would think, I think, of, like, lower-tier him of, like, the Newton Boys and me and Orson Welles, though I like both of those, too. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I do think that Everybody Wants Some is, would be in my top five. If we're counting the Before Trilogy as, like, one, it would I be in my you top have to. five. Yeah, it'd be in my top five Linklater, for sure. School of Rock's yeah. a lot of fun, too. Oh, man. Like, and, and I think Linklater is a director that's, like, I don't want to say sneakily important to us as friends, but, like, Tanner and I, we met and really bonded over Kevin Smith movies. And the origin story of Kevin Smith is that you don't get Kevin Smith that Richard Linklater because Kevin Smith watched Slacker in a movie theater mm -hmm. and then is like, I want to be a filmmaker. Yeah, and, and Linklater and Kev are, are similar in a lot of ways. I mean, they mm -hmm. both, you know, are... I think Linklater has kind of died... They've both kind of gone into different directions, but oh, yeah. they both have <laughs> that kind of... Uh, that sort of conversational kind of hangout movie, you know, and, Ke and Richard Linklater, you know, he brings a lot of like Texas culture and, and he's very like the fact that he's from Texas, he brings that in his films. And Kev does that with like New Jersey. Yes. You know, they, their movies are, are sort of a part of them yeah, as people. It feels like in a lot of ways.
I'm so glad I found a natural Kevin Smith segue because, like, one of the things I noticed when I was looking at the cast of this movie, and, like, obviously I look at Glenn Powell, and I'm like, God, he's the best. But on mm-hmm. his character name, it's Walt Finnegan. And I was like, is that at all reference to Walt Flanagan? Because it's so similar. And for those who don't know, Walt Flanagan is a friend of Kevin Smith's in a lot of stuff and does a great podcast. But um, I was just like, that's so, like, similar. And, like, yeah. there's no way he can't know of at least, like, Walt. But um, the other thing I was going to say is that you were talking about Linklater in Texas, and you're from Texas, Tanner, which is why I thought this is the perfect movie to kind of have you come on for. So, like, I, I don't know, like, this is just an obvious question, but, like, is Linklater a thing in Texas? Like, is it, like, an actual vibe of, like, man, uh, Linklater, huh? Uh, you mean, like, are, like, we proud of, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, please speak for the state of Texas and tell me if you're proud or not of beloved son Richard Linklater. I would say that anybody who, like, grows up in Texas that, like, loves, like, film, mm-hmm. he's definitely, like, the first name that, like, it's, like, him, and, like, we have Robert Rodriguez is from Texas, and there's some, like, oh, like, indie directors, like, I know, like, Eagle Pinnell, who did, like, The Last Night at the Alamo is, like, yeah. You know, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of great, t- and I think like Terrence Malick also lives in Texas, and I think he grew up around here. I don't know, he's so secretive. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, Linklater is kind of like the poster child for like you know uh, Texas filmmakers, and he's also I think the guy that, and I think because he he kind of carries Texas with him in all of his films. Mm-hmm. Of not all of them take place in Texas, but a good chunk of them do, and he's been able to capture sort of the spirit of Texas that's not, like, the sort of everyday life Texas, not the cliche, like, not the, you know... Yeehaw! Let's go cowboys, yeah, you know? Like. Yeah, yeah, because that's not... Because Texas is so huge. That's not... Ev- there's so many subcultures within it or what you know? And especially, like, he's from Austin, and there's a lot of, like, you know, hippie culture around there, too. And, like, he's always, to me captured the spirit of texas better than any filmmaker like if you watch you know you watch this or daisy confused or you watch you know you know bernie or you watch even apollo 10 and a half like oh yeah those movies or boyhood is probably one of the biggest ones because boyhood is so casually set in texas Mm -hmm. and like i'm like that's like my texas like i love like no country for old men or you know giant or like these big texas films or or these westerns that are you know but that's not really my life or anything Linklater makes like sort of you know the texas i know he represents in his in his filmography really like perfectly well the thing is like the no country for old men texas is like the classic western of like the sun is setting the orange skies and all that sort of thing whereas Linklater avoids that kind of like even feeling at all costs like I've never watched a Linklater movie if you like, man, this is like a Texas Western. It all yeah. just very much feels like we're just following these people as they go about their lives, for better or for worse. And we're kind of, we're never judging anyone either. Like, I can't think of like a true villain in a Linklater movie the way I can, like a classic like Anton Sugar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he is probably, I mean, maybe I'm forgetting somebody, but he may be the greatest filmmaker of all time when it comes to sort of plotless sort of just movies that are just sort of about, uh, just people. Yeah. Just kind of people just kind of the small little mundane parts of life, Mm -hmm. you know, he's a director where like, if I showed some of my more like, 
I don't want to say mainstream friends because that's like the wrong way to put it. Because like they do enjoy like into your movies, but mm-hmm. a lot of them, their complaints about like Licorice Pizza, for example, are like that movie has no plot and nothing happens. So if I <laughs> if I put on a Linklater movie, I know I'd hear that again. And yet that's almost something I love about especially this movie and all of his movies in general. It's just like there's no there's nothing going on that like I don't think I could not experience if if I wasn't in that time or in that kind of place. Yeah, and there's just this really right. great like vibe to it all of like it's just a classic vibe what Linklater does. You feel like you're a part of like the crew. Like when you watch yes. Days of Confuse, you feel like you're in the back of the car with them. Or even in this movie, like you feel like you're hanging out with them. He's so good at making you feel like you're on the journey with him, just hanging out. And he's a very humanistic writer in that regard too, because he's never like catering to one side of like the cliques, I guess. You know, like mm-hmm. yes, in Days of Confuse, sure. we have like our jocks, but we're also representing our geeks. We've got uh, our, our punk heads a little bit, we got our stoners. And then this movie, we have our punks as well, and like a theater major. Like, mm-hmm. like he's never right. like looking down on like a group of people from his like quote unquote high horse and like casting judgment. For sure, and I think that's because he is somebody who is had a lot of different. Because when he talks about you know he was a baseball player and he went to like college to play baseball. Yeah. But then like he was also like artistic and he loved like Raging Bull and he wanted to make movies and then like so he had all of these different. He wasn't like one kind of guy. Like I think the reason he's good is that good at that is because he kind of had to. He was in. He existed in many different worlds, mm. so he can kind of represent them, you know, authentically. If that makes sense. Like he could be a Mick Reynolds in this movie, but then he could also be uh, Adam Goldberg's character in Days Confused, like giving yeah. speeches about like the conformity of school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like it's even represented in his filmography because you have a movie like this but then you look at like before sunrise that's a very different movie it still feels very him but like very different vibes like he's able to go in and out of these different kind of things while they all sort of have his sort of style and that conversational kind of hangout vibe they're not all like you know texas college buddies hanging out at a you know they're (laughs) You know, he can make something that's kind of sweet and romantic and kind of, like, thought-provoking. Like, he can do all kinds of things, which is what, you know, one of the things why I think he's been able to, you know, last for so long. He's been making films since the early 90s. He still has these fresh ideas and and these different worlds that he can kind of take you through. What was your first Linklater movie, just out of curiosity? My first one, I want to say it was either... It was... Dazed and Confused or Slacker, I think. Really? I it was Dazed and Confused because it was the most popular one. And then I probably saw Slacker because I, I heard Kev talk about it. And I probably went, okay, uh, let's start. Because I would do that some, with a lot of filmmakers. I've like started at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but Linklater, I, I, I probably saw Dazed and Confused first. I know that Days Confused, Boyhood, and Slacker, I probably all saw around the same time. Yeah. I, I, I'm amazed that those are your first three. When, like, School of Rock, I don't want to say Oh, no, no, like, no, no. School okay, of Rock there we was go. my first. Okay, yeah, as a kid. <laughs> no, 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 you're right. You remind me. As a kid, yeah. I saw both School of Rock and I saw his Bad News Bears remake as a Ooh, kid. Oh, I did I not. I have not seen that. I saw that in theaters. Yeah, my mom took Oof. me to see She loved the original Bad News Bears. And I grew <laughs> up on that, too. And I watched that, too. So... When I we saw that in theaters, yeah. 
School of Rock is like another weird, just like you don't think that's Richard Linklater for whatever reason. Like I associate that more as like, oh, I, like I assume Jack Black like wrote that movie and just like, I don't want to be like insulting, but like a no-name director just came on because it's not a very, it's a very nuts and bolts movie of like, mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. Studio comedy, yeah. Yeah, but then you're like, oh, Richard Linklater directed this. And, and you kind of see it the more you watch it. And I haven't watched it in a long time, but I imagine if I went back to it now, I'd be like, oh, fuck, <laughs> this definitely is Richard Linklater. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely, it's not, uh, it's not, like, very Richard Linklater, where it's not, like, obvious, mm-hmm. you know, I do think if you just saw it randomly, not knowing it was Linklater, you wouldn't be able to guess it immediately, but it is one of those, like, studio comedies that I do think is enhanced by a director like him, you know, oh, yeah. like, it could have been, like, because I love Jack Black, too, but it could have been kind of a miss, you know, if it, if, you know, if everything wasn't sort of, Working together because it's I love School of Rock, but there are movies like School of Rock that don't work yes. that are just kind of like okay, you know. And I this is one that I think not uh, the writer of it. Uh, I think he's also like a little character actor. He's been in stuff, but that makes uh, sense. Uh, Mike White, yeah, he wrote like he wrote like Nacho Libre. With, oh yes, Mike White uh, with Jack Black and stuff. So not that it would have been better without, but you know what I'm saying. Like there are movies like this that we see uh, that are kind of like you for- forgettable. And I like think Nacho was, Libre, just to like, like you just mentioned it, but like that movie came and went and it's pretty forgettable. Whereas, like, I could think of Schoolhouse Rock and remember pretty vividly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I saw School. Of, I, that was one of those movies where I, when I found out it was Linklater, I was like, oh, Linklater did that. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> uh, so let's pivot more towards Everybody Wants Them because I think that's what we're going to be probably spending most of our time about. Either that or Shazam. You know, one of the two. <laughs> we'll, we'll circle back. <laughs> we'll come back to Shazam later. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the Helen first Mirren. yeah Sorry. Helen Mirren is so good as uh the da- daughter of Atlas so good great um but when was the first time you saw everybody once I'm like how did you hear about this because like I this movie comes out in 2016 it's a very small mm-hmm. release and it's indie so like I I don't know how even I heard of it uh well you might have heard about it from me because that's probably true when it came out in 2016 because I was already at that point I was watching like everything that came out yeah uh, but i yeah no i was very excited for it because i had seen daisy confused that point everybody had said this was kind of like a kind of spiritual sequel to daisy mm-hmm. confused so i was like i have to see this and it looked really good and yeah so i saw it in 2016 uh, not in theaters though i probably didn't see it till it came out on like blu-ray or whatever but i loved it i remember loving it and buying it and like watching it and then wanting to like show my brother i was like he's got to see it <laughs> it's it's such a like just a fun vibe of a movie yeah like i i don't remember if you told me about it or like how i heard of it but all i remember was and i i made this a uh, admission last week on the guest but like when i was 16 ish finding like hard indies was really really hard because again when you live in new hampshire it's not like a bustling world of cinema mm-hmm. and so and i and i saw the poster for this and i was like "Ooh, what is this and i i read baseball and this was kind of me falling back in love with baseball at this time because, mm-hmm. you know, 2015 just happened on the Mets and that's a whole other story. But I was like, ooh, baseball, let's go. And I watched it and very much like you, I just love this movie so much. Like, it's so weird because I haven't seen this probably, I've probably seen it once since I first saw it until today or whenever we did it like this week. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I never felt, it just felt like slipping like an old pair of shoes or whatever. Like, oh yeah, this movie, this is great. I haven't watched it in a couple years until when I rewatched it for this, but 
it felt like I had just rewatched it because like I kind of I remembered everything and then I was like, oh, yeah, I love this bit. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Of like freshman batting practice and all this, like all yeah. those little small moments you remember very easily when it comes back again. You're like, oh, yeah, this. Um, mm-hmm. I remember when we first watched it roughly around the same time, though. And we'll talk about this much later on, too. But just like immediately was like, holy fuck, Glenn Powell. I don't know who yeah. this guy is. Get him in everything. And I think me and you going back to like the old comic book days were like, make him Nightwing, make him Green Arrow, make him Green Lantern, please someone. Or like, uh, I think Johnny Storm was one yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> he would have killed Johnny Storm. He still for could. Sure. Yeah. For oh sure, my yeah. God. And this was also around the time, and I don't know, I think this comes out a little bit afterward, but he was also in that rom-com with Zoe Deutsch, who was in Set this it as up. well. Yeah, yeah. And that, I remember, uh, did you like, because th- there's somebody who I who really liked that movie with me. Was that you? It Did might have been me. I definitely I watched thinking, it. I remember being like, this is really great. I think I yes. even watched it. I had my brother watch it with me too. It was just like a really, it was a Netflix rom-com, <laughs> yes. which usually you're like, I don't know if, you know, they're not usually for me, but I was like, I like Glenn Powell. I kind of want to try this out. And I watched it and it was really good. That was it's a really fun. sweet, fun little rom-com. Yeah. I watched it because I was like, oh, Glenn Powell and Zoe Deutsch together? Let's yeah. go. I'm in. Like, that's all it took is, like, I have such a reverence for this movie. And, like, Tay Diggs is in that movie and Pete Davidson even before he's Pete Davidson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is in there, yeah. Yeah, and it was just such a good little movie that, like, like everybody wants some. It's not as good as this movie, but there is no, definitely, yeah. like, a thing of, like, man, just, like, fun time. And, and that's and what good I've, chemistry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. And we'll talk about why maybe we should have had more of that. But... Yeah. Can you explain the plot of Everybody Wants Them in 60 Seconds? This is a real arduous task, I'm sure, you know. Um, it is just uh, it's a group of friends in college yeah. just chilling and having fun and going to parties. And it's just sort of about the college life, you know, in the 80s or the late 70s. When does this take place? Early 80s, late 70s? It's 81. Or it's 80. Okay. So, you know, 1980, it's fun, you know, uh, in Texas, you know. But college baseball players. <laughs> you just did. I didn't even set a timer. I was just like, oh, this is okay. going to take up about 30 seconds. Like, yeah, it's not really much of a plot. It's just kind of like, you I know. know. Like, like, you could just be like, bunch of college people in over a weekend. Have party. The tagline is, here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> I do think this movie is different for me, at least since I've gone to college. You know, like... I don't, well, obviously, like, I wasn't a baseball player or really an athlete at all. I was more writing about athletes at the time. But, like, there is, like, a camaraderie of, like, you're just shoved together with all these weird people and that becomes your world all of a sudden. That this movie captures really, really well of just, like, Mick Reynolds goes from being, like, who the fuck are you to, like, Jake to all of a sudden they're just, like, hanging out or Finnegan just being, like, hey, look at this waterbed. Now, like, I'm asking him for advice 24 hours later. It's very, very, like, good at capturing that feeling, too. Yeah. For sure. So we'll jump into pre-production now and kind of get to the genesis of Everybody Wants Some. And the whole like nuts and bolts is like, this was like a long time coming for Linklater because he wrote the script in 2005, which is... Oh, wow. (laughs) But the problem was he couldn't get anyone to finance it until 2009, uh, or actually didn't even try to finance it until 2009 because no one really wanted anything to do with this project at all. So it just kind of lingered on the back burner for him. And it was like, I got the script. And when he, like, everybody loves Linklater now, I think for the most part. Like, I, I guess it's fair to say his stock is, like, I guess it's evened out. I mean, 
I don't, I don't know about like how studios view him because I don't know how much yeah. money he makes, but I know <laughs> that like generally audiences, I think, love Richard Linklater. You know, people, at least people who know about him, like in Noah's films, he's, he's very well liked among film fans, I think. I mean, film Twitter isn't the best place to gauge anything, for sure. You know, it is mostly accessible. But I do think there is, like, a warmness for him that, like, there aren't for a lot of directors, for whatever reason. I don't reason. know anybody who's like, I freaking hate Linklater. <laughs> Man, I gotta tell you, that Linklater guy freaking yeah. stinks, like... Yeah. <laughs> but, like, in 2000s, when you're kind of looking at his filmography, you can easily understand why, like, no one wants to make this movie. Which is weird to say, because, like, it's not an expensive movie. It would, oddly would seem to make more sense coming out of that time than in 2016. Mm-hmm. Because, like, yeah, School of Rock, which is 2003 or whatever, makes $131 million. Which, in my research, I was like, how the fuck did that happen? Well, School of Rock? Yeah, like $131 well, I, million? Well, I mean, you have to realize, like, what if School of Rock comes out in the mid-2000s, right? Yeah, 2003. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, like... The height of Jack Black That's kind of true, family comedies. There were a lot of like movies like school, like those sort of family comedies around that time. But you'd think that after, if School of Rock was so successful, that he would yeah. get to do this. But yeah, I mean, after that, he does Before Sunset. Mm-hmm. Great and, movie. And then Bad News Bears, which is another studio comedy. That's because he doesn't write that. It's written by uh, the screenplays, written by other people. He just directs mm-hmm. it. And so I think that's also a studio job for him. Yeah, and Bad News Bears is where things start to turn, and it's kind of why everybody wants to take so long, because you get to Scanner Darkly and Fast Food Nation, and neither of those movies make $10 million, which is really bad. But then, and they also weren't well-received, and then he has Me and Orson Welles, which you mentioned, which, do you like that movie, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's a solid movie. If you really like Orson Welles and you want to see a guy who looks nothing like Orson Welles give the greatest (laughs) Orson Welles performance, like, Shin McKay, who plays Orson Welles in it, I love Orson Welles, he embodies Orson Welles in such a way that blew my, because I saw that he was cast, I was like, this guy looks nothing like Orson Welles. I watched the movie, he embodies it. The only problem with the movie is is it's focused on Zac Efron falling in love with Claire Danes, which they're fine, like, I like both of them, but, like, the whole time I'm like, give me more of this guy's Orson Welles, he's incredible. He's even better than, like, the guy who plays him in Mank, even though the guy in Mank maybe looks more like him. He's what, so good. What a weird like transition to be like. Well, he doesn't look anything like Orson Welles, and like he doesn't. He, but he's great, Orson Welles. He's the best he Orson emb- Welles ever. He embodies <laughs> him so perfectly. Like it's so good. But anyway, if you care about Orson Welles in like theater in New York in like the 30s or 40s or whatever, watch that movie. I also loved your caveat in 2023 saying like if you're a big Orson Welles fan. <laughs> <laughs> If you're like me and for some reason like you're like really big into Orson Welles, then <laughs> check out me and Orson Welles, the Richard Linklater film from 2008. Yeah. <laughs> and the big problem with that movie, though, commercially, is it has a $25 million budget and it makes $2.3 million. Oof. Yeah, I don't think the high school musical crowd was yeah. also into <laughs> Orson Welles. You can, like imagine Zach Efron on Instagram, like coming off of like that and being like, "Yeah, guys, check out my next movie, Me and Orson Welles." And all the mm-hmm. eight-year-old girls be like, "Who's Orson Welles? Who? What is this?" It's set in 1937, and it's about you know Orson Welles's uh, Mercury Theater production of Julius Caesar. New York Theater, yeah. everybody! It's me, Zac Efron. Yeah. <laughs> I loved High School Musical three. I'm seeing this. <laughs> 
And then yeah. the, the funny thing is that Linklater, I don't know if it's like because of these flops or whatever, he takes like three years off and he doesn't release a movie until 2011 with Bernie, which I haven't seen Bernie, but I remember seeing that poster and hearing like the synopsis mm-hmm. and like being really into it. I really like Bernie. Yeah, like I, I want to go back to it now, especially that I'm kind of in a Linklater kick because it is, it just seems like such an interesting idea. And for those who don't know, it's like, Jack Black is a weatherman who kills someone, right? That's like the vague. Yeah, well, it's based on a true story. Yeah, it's uh, it's about a guy who was with. It's a young uh, mortician guy. Like he works with the mortician, or whatever, and he becomes. He's very sweet and kind, and everybody, and then all the like housewives in like this small Texas town love him, and he's so like. Uh, but he's just kind of a character. And then he gets accused of murdering uh, a lady that everyone in the town didn't like. And so it becomes a weird trial of people kind of like, he might have done it, but we kind of love him and she was the worst. So <laughs> what do we do? And Matthew McConaughey plays like the sh- Texas Ranger that's come to take him in or whatever. And it's, <laughs> it's really kind of funny. The only thing is, I know some people don't like it because they felt that, because it was based on a true story and somebody did die that because it's so funny and it's kind of a comedy that it was kind of disrespectful to their memory. And maybe that's true. Uh, and I, I'm, you know, if they, you feel that way, I totally understand that. Right. But, but just watching the film on its own, I really think it's a lot of fun. And it's also a movie where if you want to know what kind of like modern kind of, at least that's 2011 modern ish only 10 years ago now, but <laughs> what like modern, like sort of small town Texas life is like, it's like hits it on the nail. Like there's so many people in the movie that I'm like, those feel like real people that I've met that he just plucked out and yeah. interviewed for <laughs> the movie. Cause they're so authentically like a Texan housewife that like, I know that lady, I know that guy, you know, it's, it's, it's really great. I really like it. And Jack Black's very funny. It's got Shirley MacLaine in it. Who's a legend. And of course, McConaughey, one of the great Texan actors and a guy, uh, Sonny Carl, who he works with every so often, who, is a really good Texas character actor, but sorry for that little Bernie. No, please. <laughs> See, this good. is the like great it. thing about Tanner for those who don't know him of like, he watches more movies, I think than anyone I know is, and just like retains it all encyclopedically. And just like, he just routed off about five minutes on Bernie. <laughs> I've seen way too many movies. It's, it's a problem. Yeah. Like I'll look I'll go to my letterbox accounts, add like my one movie of the week or whatever it is, and I see Tanner has like five already up from that week and I'm like, oh, oh he's yeah. just going and they're always like nineteen thirty silent films. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I sometimes I'm, sometimes I look at him like, dang, I really like spent the entire year watching these like I have so much yeah. knowledge on like things nobody else would care about. Like I've gone on like a Burt Lancaster forties marathon recently. <laughs> I'm like who do I have to talk to about that? Nobody else cares about these little small noirs Burt Lancaster did in the forties or whatever. Your mom's just like Tanner, dinner's ready at the table. You're just like, Mom, Burt Lancaster. I'm watching this Edward G. Robinson gangster movie from yeah. 1934. Someone yeah. understand me, please. Exactly. I know. You know it's bad when like you know the names of like all these like 30s and 40s character actors, like the people who aren't even like all that big. And you're like, oh, I love, like, you know, Peter Laurie or, like, you, you know, Richard Woodmark. Like, all these, like, people. Classic, you know, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I love them. They're some of my favorite actors, but nobody else even knows what you're talking about. Man, how come they're not getting any work today? They're great. And you're just like, oh, yeah. well, they've been dead for 100 years. My bad. I forgot about that one. Yeah, whoops. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. If you could get Glenn Ford in this movie now, it would be <laughs> fantastic. Glenn Ford should be recast as Thanos. I'm just putting it out there, folks. Yeah. Uh, but Bernie is like a, a big movie for like both patrons of the pod, Matthew McConaughey and Linklater too, because like Bernie's met with critical and commercial success. It makes $10 million. He gets great reviews. And it's from Bernie that Linklater then kind of like gets on a groove. Because before mm-hmm. Midnight is 2013, gets nominated for an Oscar. And then he has Boyhood in 2014, which gets nominated for six Oscars and a bunch of other shit. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like, uh-oh, Linklater's back. Mm-hmm. And I, I, do you like Boyhood? I adore Boyhood. Okay. I know it's a very, like, we're very, like, on or off with that yeah. movie. Do you, have you seen it? I haven't seen all of it. Okay. And now, I, it's one of those movies where I kind of understand why it's not for some people. But it's incredible to me. And I understand, because I remember when it was coming out, it was one of the like Oscar Best Picture favorites. Mm-hmm. People thought, a lot of people said that, it, that that was like kind of the favorite for a while. And then it was, I think, Birdman came in and ended up winning that year. I think that's the Birdman year, right? I will, uh, yes, yeah. Uh, and people kind of got annoyed because they kept talking about like, it took us like, you know, 20 years to make years. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and people kind of were annoyed by that like you know quote-unquote gimmick of it or whatever but and i and i've seen like people say that like they're similar to some of his other films like it's kind of plotless it's just these chapters in this boy's life and some people don't find the main kid all that interesting or whatever but for me it's such a i i think that it's kind of genius that idea, you know, of mm-hmm. what if we just film these little chapters or because it really captures the era that you're in every time. And maybe because the kid is kind of my age, you know, he's, I think he's a little bit older than me, but like when they're in like the early two thousands in Texas and he's like a little kid with like, you know, him and his sister and his <laughs> yeah. single mom and they're moving from like house to house or whatever. I'm like, that was just my life. Like he has the the same kind of like, pillowcases on his like little kid bed that i had and the, the little the, bed. yeah like the mat with like <laughs> it has the rose on it with the toy cars like i had that and then like you you and you watch him grow up and i don't know but it felt like it's kind of one of those movies that's like a very personal experience where i just when yeah. i watch it it feels like i'm watching like a movie kind of about me because that kid <laughs> goes through so many similar things like he just he captures youth in like the early 2000s so well to me and as it goes on the me and the kid become less and less like <laughs> whoops <laughs> well no like he well just like he becomes more of his own kid you know it becomes different but specifically when i'm watching that movie i'm always like dang that is how it looked like that is kind of what it was like you know like it just it reminds me of my own childhood in a lot of ways and and i think mm-hmm. that's why i connect to it so much and it and it's and it also does that link later thing of the mundanity of life and like oh, finding yeah. sometimes the beauty in it and also the little characters that pop up these little people that are like these little actors you've never seen before in anything but they have like a line or something that feel fully authentically like i know that guy i've seen that guy he really finds and like captures the spirit of all these things so well it's interesting you say that because like i do think it does seem to be like boyhood is more of like the most honest like portrait of a link later thing you can get in kind of life. Cause a lot mm-hmm. of his movies are like very, and this is especially with everybody wants some are very like, Oh, it's a little weird. And like those people are like definitely like characters 
Whereas Boyhood, at least from the parts that I've watched, it feels like very genuine and much more like a documentary than it does like. Yeah. Like there's no sure. Glenn Powell walking around like doing a German voice. You know? No, 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 no. No, yeah. It's it's a much more like dramatic, like raw, serious than mm-hmm. than like this or dazed or, or anything like that. It's it's less of a vibe of it. It's a little bit more emotional and a little bit more, you know, um yeah, like what you said. And Boyhood's interesting because it just kinda like I mean, maybe I'm incorrect here, but I remember that movie just like it just existed all of a sudden. Like, yeah, hey, Richard Linklater, uh, he made a movie over 13 years. Here it is. Like, out of nowhere, it was just like, boom, there it is. Great. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember hearing about it until it popped up. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, that's interesting. I want to check this out. And then kind of taking me a while. And then when I saw it, I was like, wow, I really, that one got me. Yeah. And that movie makes $57 million at the box office, too. So, like, Linklater was all the way back for the most part, commercially, critically, everyone kind of loved him. But like to go back to 2011, because that's another big year for like everybody wants him and how this movie comes about is because that's the year that Annapurna Pictures is founded. Um, And their filmography, if you actually look at it, is kind of fascinating because in 2011, they released uh, what can only be described as schlock. It's like really bad movies you'd see on like RedTube and like the grocery store that even your parents probably wouldn't watch. Like, there's an action movie with Bruce Willis. There's bad dramas with, like, Colin Firth and Mickey Rourke. And, like, to give him perspective, 2011 sucks so hard for Annapurna that the four movies they made that year make a combined $2.29 million at the box office. That's it. (laughs) And, like, they're really poorly reviewed. It's just awful. But then, in 2012, here's just the list of the movies they helped produce in 2012. Lawless... The Master, Zero Dark Thirty, and Killing Them Softly. It's a combined yeah. eight Oscar nominations. And then, in, uh, to like put it in perspective commercially, they went from $2.29 million in 2011 to $253.4 million in 2012. Hey, and the, yeah, I mean, now you're working with PTA. Yeah. Freaking, yeah that's Catherine crazy. Bigelow. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, a lot different. From then on, like, Annapurna's been really good of, like, what they produce and what they don't, because they've done, like, Her, American Hustle, Foxcatcher, 20th Century Woman, Phantom Thread, If Beale Street Could Talk, Vice, and, of course, Everybody Wants Them. Oh, cool. Yeah, they, that's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, so, like, they, 2011 doesn't, and this movie doesn't exist without 2011 being the year it is, of Bernie and Annapurna being founded. And before we can kind of get more to Everybody Wants Them, there was a movie that Linklater was supposed to make before this, which is a remake of a 1960s comedy film called Mr. Lippet, which I'm guaranteed you've seen. Mr. Lippet? I have actually not seen that movie. Tana, uh, I was just bragging about how you have like an encyclopedic, you've seen everything, and then you just dropped the ball. Mr. Lippet? Mr. Lippet. It's like a, it's, I've looked it up. It's like a hybrid live-action animation movie from 1960. Man, I have not seen that. I don't think oh. I can even... No, I do not God recognize that movie. You got to put it on the letter. You have to like watch it now. Put it on a letterbox so I know that like Mr. you got to get your cred back, Mr. Lippet. I have not. I don't think I've heard of that. But it's hybrid uh, animation yeah. and live action from when? Nineteen sixty. Dang. Yeah. Oh, the so, Incredible Mr. Limpet. Okay. Oh, the Incredible. I, I have not. Still me. not seen it. But uh, okay. This He's really looking looks it up. crazy. <laughs> I see why I haven't seen this movie yet. Well, what are you looking at? I'm just looking. It's a uh, 
Describe yeah. the plot for me, because this might be another day of the dolphin where it's I, like, it what be, is this? It involves also aquatic. Uh, <gasps> oh people. no! <laughs> the aquatic life fanatic Henry Limp Henry Limpet yeah. falls into the sea and transforms into a fish, quickly becoming oh, pals with a crab and yeah. developing a romantic bond with a fetching female fish. As a human, Henry was passed over for naval service. But now that he's a fish, he seeks out his friend, <laughs> Lieutenant George Stickle, finding him on a small boat in the Atlantic. Henry explains that he can alert sailors when enemy ships are close by, and soon he's helping America win World War II. That That's is fucking incredible. <laughs> That's the entire plot. Oh my god. Why, we might have to make that the next day of the Dolphin, Nick and I. Oh, it, it sounds like it's in the same kind of vein. Dang. Yeah, that I'm looks looking, like a wild movie. I'm looking at a, a, a scene on YouTube that just says, I wish I were a fish. The incredible Mr. Limpet Warner Archive. Dude, they wanted to get, when they were making it, they wanted Jim Carrey. That makes yes. sense. He'd kill it. I haven't even seen the movie, and I know he'd kill it. Okay, so just, Dang. I'm looking at the, the Mr. Limpet plot sauce you just read. We got transformed into a fish. There's a romance between a female fish. Uh -huh. World War Two, and Nazis, then yeah. Nazis, great. And then we have trying to help America win World War Two. This it's got a forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which in nineteen, oh, which man. means almost all old movies have like ninety to one hundred percent. So you know if it has forty percent, <laughs> <laughs> that it it's probably is like a modern day twenty or fifteen. You got to subtract gonna, a few. I'm gonna have to put this on our list of movies. This is this this could be a gem. Anyways, yeah. um, you're right though. Wow. Like, Linklater gets very ahead in production of like this movie, and like he has a cast, some of which you've kind of just read of like Jim Carrey and a bunch of other people. Um, but he bails on that project, and the movie has been remade since, probably you know for the best. Um, but he bails on it to go make everybody want some. And in the lead-up to the Everybody Wants Some, it's very much kind of what we've talked about already. The spiritual sequel to Days of Confused and Boyhood. Mm -hmm. And the, the latter comparison of Boyhood sounds weird at, at first to me, but he defends it in the sense of, like, Boyhood ends when Everybody Wants Some begins with the main character meaning his roommate and a yeah. girl in college. Mm -hmm. And so you can definitely kind of see that shared chemistry there. And then for the title, I found, like, a really interesting quote from Linklater of, like, the sum and everybody wants some. He says, like, not only do you want everything, you kind of think you're entitled to it. You know, your youthful desire should be met by the world. But then life is a way of kind of letting you know that it's not going to give you everything you want. It might give you a little bit of what you want, but these guys in the movie are kind of in that wonderful bubble. Life hasn't really slapped them down just yet. And that quote, I think, is very emblematic of, like, what this movie is and what it's trying to say. Which is a conversation we'll have later on. But, like, the idea of... um like this blissful ignorance almost. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I always felt that way of like, before I started college, I mean, I never wanted a rager. I think I was just like, I'll watch the Red Sox, I'll go to bed, and then I guess my college career starts, you know? Yeah. Um, but there's that like nervous anticipation of like, all right, well, four years, and then like, you know, hopes and dreams will be accomplished. Whereas like, you know, yeah, you want to have that belief and are trying to believe that, but in the end of the day, the likelihood that all your dreams are met by the end of this four years and that when you get out of it, things will even become exceeding is not that likely. And this movie's, like, very good at that. Yeah. And I think, I remember, um, I watched an interview with 
Linklater last year, mm-hmm. and uh, there was some interview on on Criterion that I was watching, and he had said that uh, he's not nostalgic, and that kind of made me like go like he doesn't consider himself nostalgic because I think of him as kind of a nostalgic director. Yeah, so many things are about the past and these things, but. I think what it is is it's not like nostalgia for nostalgia's sake of like, hey, you know, just remember that thing, you know, mm-hmm. it feels more like he remembers the feelings that you felt in your youth and he finds a way of recapturing that, you know, it's yeah. more so the feeling of those things than it is, you know, little like nostalgia thing like we get in movies now where it's like you remember the rubik's cube right like you know things <laughs> like that and you're like yeah the 80s fun you know we all remember you know um this song or whatever you know he it feels more genuine when he does it one of my notes is like this is like an imperfectly perfect recollection and this is kind of one of the other things i found in my research where like link leaders talk about like yeah finn especially is like the perfect character of like he has all the right lines. He says the right things. He's attractive. He's good looking. He's good at baseball. Like, just perfect in every way. But in real life, you know, a Finn doesn't exist because no one's that good. And so it's almost this, like, what, what I believe it was versus what it actually was with this movie. Yeah. There is a and, little bit of, yeah, of like the memory, you know. You know, what really, how did it happen or, or whatever? You know, you, we remember things differently as we get older, you know. And I, I'm sure Linklater probably has some feelings about that because this movie is very closely modeled after him, kind of like you said, of like he was in college, he was on the baseball team, probably not a team as quote-unquote good as this. Um, but that feeling of like, yeah, me and the guys and everything's great and we're all having fun and, and maybe McReynolds is a little angrier than us, but like everyone's just cool and vibing out. When in reality, there probably were a lot more tiffs, there were probably a lot more arguments, a lot more like, I do fucking hate that guy on the team. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, and this movie kind of just skips all that to like, let this kind of bubble be. And I think the ending is so perfect in that regard of like, we start right as classes begin, like reality kind of resumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, because right when uh, it, because it, it is kind of set before it really starts yes three days before yeah. college begins so you're yeah so you're kind of still in that sort of like it can be anything like it, it's not actually here yet we're just in the yeah. party phase the or <laughs> yeah. the honeymoon phase of it all and yet there's also like a, a kind of like darkness and sullenness of like the willoughby character especially i found to be really like sad this time around almost which one's willoughby uh kurt russell or not kurt oh, russell jesus christ wyatt um, russell yeah wyatt russell kurt yes. russell's boy kurt yeah, russell's boy <laughs> his boy yeah but like and and maybe we're jumping the carpet for the horse but like i found him to be a very like his whole core of the character be much more like oh shit yeah like that is that is heavy of like this guy who just doesn't want to let baseball go because he doesn't want to get on with his life yeah they're like yeah he's sort of and he's also like he's the guy that's stoned all the time too you know yes so kind of numbing himself yeah yeah for sure i mean i never looked at him that sad till you just brought it up but wow (laughs) No, I feel bad. There's, uh, there's another. There's a lot of stuff with this movie that I'm excited to talk about later. But like by the end of 2014, it's September of 2014. Kind of getting back to the quote unquote history lesson. Linklater has his cast, which we'll get to in a minute, and Anna Pernas is involved, and kind of the whole thing kind of comes together from there. Um, some just like general casting information before we get into like the specific people is that like <laughs> the weeks before they started filming. 
Linklater just got everyone together at his house and was like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's just hang out for like two weeks and go through the script and like all that sort of stuff. But Linklater's house is like a swimming pool, a basketball court, a games room. Like there's everything. <laughs> yeah, I think he is kind of like a farm too. Like I think he has animals or something. But I, I mean, for sure. I imagine he does. It's Texas, Probably, you know, yeah. not to be the stereotypical guy, but like we all live on farms here. <laughs> While we watch the Cowboys, that's what we do, <laughs> and talk about how everything's bigger in Texas. It is all right. <laughs> all watch right, I'm being offensive. <laughs> watch it. <laughs> but like the thing that Linklater kind of prioritized with this is like apparently the set of Days and Confused is very clicky. Uh, mm-hmm. Of like people were all kind of like one group was a dick to the other and vice versa. And maybe I'm misquoting, so I, whatever. But he really wanted to make sure that wasn't the case here. And so it was just like, we're going to go through the script all the time. And like the cast kind of became a family of their own through that experience. And it's kind of credits of the major reason why the camaraderie seems so real. I don't even know where to start with like individual casting other than to say that like Linklater fucking nailed it. (laughs) Yeah. Like if someone had this cast today for a movie, you'd be like, wow, that's a pretty great cast. But for Linklater to like find all these people before they kind of get going is really incredible. Yeah, I know. Like, uh, like that's before, like, you know, Kurt Russell's kid was in like Marvel movies. It was before Top Gun for Glenn Powell. It was before yeah. Superman for that one actor who was CW Superman. Tyler Hecklin. Yeah. Yeah. And Zoe Deutsch, I don't think, I, I think that was the first time I'd seen her in something in a long time because I know she was on like Zach and Cody or something, I think. She was in a show called like the Vampire like Academy, whatever the, the hell it's. Vamp- yeah, it is just called Vampire Academy. The, I, I didn't watch it, but like it goes to show that like she's going from like that to this. And then her career kind of takes off on the back of this. Yeah. After this, she starts being in a lot of cool, interesting stuff. She, she's really good in this movie, too. Like, I, I was almost yeah. a little sad that, like, she was in so little. Because she doesn't pop back up until, like, minute 45 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, she... This movie is one of those movies where every kind of character is so... Like, their own character. And they're so interesting that you want more time with all of them. Mm-hmm. But I think specifically Glenn Powell and Zoe Deutsch, those two characters, weird enough, they were in that rom-com together. But like, they, to me, are the two where I'm like, man, I wish we had even more of them. You know, like, I wish there was like, you know, this movie could have been like, I mean, obviously you can't, but like, I would have watched more, like six hours of like more of their stuff, you know? But like, it's amazing that they have such good chemistry and like set it up. When they don't have a single scene together in this movie, I don't think, besides like no. meeting at the car in front of her apartment. Because yeah. otherwise, it's just all Blake Jenner, who's a fucking asshole, apparently, in real life. So we're just going to yeah. say, fuck that guy and I'll talk about him. Boo. Um, boo. But, you know, they don't have any scenes besides that. And yet their chemistry is so good in everything else they've kind of done. And they're going to work with each other more. But you do make a good point of like, everyone feels like their own like distinguished person in this movie without like feeling like they're just like more of the same. Mm-hmm. Like all the baseball teammates feel like that's a person, that's a person. They all have their own yeah, unique yeah, specific yeah, yeah. interest. Yeah, and you and you remember them. I don't remember all of their names, but I remember them from like, oh, that's the guy that's like that. That's the guy that's like that. That's the guy, yeah, <laughs> if you remember, yeah. <laughs> How much of the Linklater legend to you is like talent discovery? Because like in Days and Confused, yeah. he's got Joey Warren Adams, Mila Jovovich, Ben Affleck, Cole Hauser, Renee Zellweger, very briefly. And then, of course, you know, my guy, Matthew McConaughey. So, mm-hmm. like, it's amazing how good it is when he goes back to this kind of well of, like, let me just find some actors. And even, like, uh, 
I don't. He didn't find Ethan Hawke, but like, yeah, I think that Ethan Hawke's relationship with him has made Ethan Hawke even more like respected as an actor. Like, it's made, it's given him roles like that were interesting, like Tape or or Boyhood or the Before Trilogy. He, yeah, he's really good. I remember reading something about like because you brought up the Days of Confused set or whatever. Like, yeah. I remember it, he. I think he's like. There's something about him where he kind of can see when somebody kind of has it, you know. Yes. Before they're big, before anything, he can see that there's something interesting about that person. Something, and maybe they're not going to be huge stars. Like, no, they're not all McConaughey. It's like he's found some sort of character <laughs> actors, but they're all like really good at that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of people in this movie that I'm surprised haven't had as good of a career as they've had. You know, like the guy who plays Dale, um, Jake Quinta Johnson. I every time I've watched this movie, I always come away like, man, that's a really good actor, and yet he's not really done anything since. And it's kind of like sad of like going back to see the people who made it and who didn't. Yeah, he he's really good too. Yeah, I really he has a lot of uh, he has a lot of charisma and like he just his sort of uh, there's like a funness to him for sure. I like that guy. That character is really good. And also Tyler uh, Hoechlin, is that was his name? Hecklin. Yeah, Hoechlin. <laughs> uh, I knew him as like CW Superman. I never watched it, but like I remember when he was cast. I was like, oh, that's the guy from Everybody Wants Some, the Superman. Yeah, in the lead up to this episode, Tanner was like, yeah, CW Superman's in this movie, right? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's his name. <laughs> I never even watched him as Superman. I just remember <laughs> he's good. when that happened. Uh, he's in uh, Road to Perdition as a little boy. He's the wow. little boy in Road to Perdition with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks' son in that movie. Wow. Uh, yeah, but he, like, in this, I remember being like, this guy's cool. Like, this guy could be, like, he could have been like movie Superman, you know, like yeah. he, just, he has like, there's a, there's a cool, he had, a, he had that coolness and charisma to him. And even the freaking, the guy with the mustache, that's like, you know, I'm going to be in the major league. He, the, the weird guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jake Niles. Killing it. He is <laughs> killing it. Where has that guy been since? I, he's killing that role. That is, he's so funny and weird and a role that could have been so easily annoying. Oh Yeah. He just kills it. I die of laughter. That that there's that that one scene when they're batting practice. He's just <laughs> on fire. I love that guy. I forget the actress name, but yeah, he's another guy. It's like, why wasn't he a bigger thing? But like, Hecklin is a very odd career because, like, you know, I don't want to be too embarrassed here, but like, I watched MTV's Teen Wolf a little bit as like uh, as a youth, mm-hmm. and he's in that show as like super hot bad boy werewolf guy. Like he's got like a leather jacket, he's drinking beer, he's like hooking up with all the girls. And even back then I was like, man, that guy's kinda kinda good at stuff. And I had yeah. the same thing with like Dylan O'Brien. And like Oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Do you remember the Tyler Hecklin Batman rumors for Batman vs. Superman at all? I do not remember that. No. I maybe this, this was before was... we were like real good friends, but like I don't think it was like a legit trade report. But I remember being like internet rumors of like, man, he's screen testing for Batman and they might go pull the trigger on him. Oh wow, um, yeah. And he's kind of denied those rumors uh, in the year since of like, yeah, I never met with anyone about that. But like, then he got Superman. Yeah, yeah. And then he gets Superman with CW. And he's good and everybody wants him. And he's really good as Superman. Like, he's a very, very good actor of like, he's carved out a very nice little niche through this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like him and everything I've seen of him. I think you should watch Superman and Lois. I think you like it. You do? I, I love don't. Superman. I mean, I love a good Superman. Superman. I just saw Superman the movie in theaters again. They re-showed it on Brag the big screen. Brag about it, Jesus. <laughs> and it was good. It was great. It was great to see that, you know, <laughs> on the big screen. Freaking, you see Marlon Brando say Krypton on a giant TV. 
It was great. Should we talk about Glenn Powell now? We should talk about Glenn Powell. Oh. Savior. He's the fucking best. Also, good Texas kid. Another Texas discovery from Linklater. He discovered McConaughey. Yeah. And now Glenn Powell. <laughs> Uh, I love Glenn Powell. I loved Glenn Powell before everybody else loved Glenn Powell because he was in Top Gun. Yeah. I, I remember when he was cast in Top Gun, we were like, freaking yes, this guy needs to be in Top Gun. He fits the vibe exactly. Well, because like, even when he was cast in Top Gun, maybe we didn't talk about it, but I think we both kind of knew like exactly who he was going to play. Of like cocky, arrogant, asshole pilot that's got like a heart of gold underneath all of that, like schmarm. Mm-hmm. You know, he's so good at, at that kind of guy. He is just a revelation in this movie. He's also like a, I think he's in the Dark Knight Rises, like a Wall Street, like, traitor or something. Like, the Bane punches <laughs> yeah. in the face with his bike helmet or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then why are you here? Or whatever, that line in the movie, when he's like, there's no money. Is he the no money, there's no money guy? He might be the there's no money guy. I don't yeah, remember there's no exactly. Money. Yeah, it's a stock exchange. There's no money here. Then why are you here? That's a great bit. <laughs> That's a great bit. <laughs> um, but like, I, I don't, I don't really know how to describe like what Glenn Powell is doing because I'm not like an actor, so I can't speak to that. Charisma. That's what he's got. He's just got charisma up the fucking wazoo. Like he's mm-hmm. just the man in this movie. Mm-hmm. And he's, he also does that thing of like, it could be annoying, but it's not. Like in the wrong hands, you could be like, oh, Finn, shut up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he could be like Deadpool, kind of. If mm-hmm. it w- if they weren't careful, you're like, oh, we get it. Yeah, uh-huh. like you're, you know. But like, it he doesn't feel that way at all. He's he also just got cast in like they're like doing a sequel to like Twister, yes, or something. Yeah, and he's <laughs> he's very good at kind of like he's handsome and he can play the hero, but he can also be kind of he can play that. Uh, he could be an that- asshole too. He can play that character, though, that, like, Chris Pratt plays when he's Star-Lord. And even, like, Harrison Ford helped create a little bit with Han Solo of, I think I'm a little bit cooler than I am. Yeah. You know? Where, like, he can, where he thinks he's, like, I think, like, he thinks he's Indiana Jones or whatever, but really he's kind of goofier, you know? <laughs> and there's that great scene where he's, like, talking to the girl at the party towards the end of the theater party. And he's just like talking about how cool he is and all that sort of stuff, and everyone's laughing at him. And then he gets mm-hmm. like legit angry at the end. He's like, "What are you guys doing? Like, you're, you're messing with my deal." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you're you're just a baseball player on college. Like, let's calm down a little bit, Glenn Powell. But we mm-hmm. we know, um, <laughs> we know. But like, he brings so much stuff to this role um, that otherwise, like you're saying, would be such like a tertiary character. Like, there's no way Finn in the script is written to be this important. Yeah, you think that Linklater was like, this guy's so good, I gotta put more. I can't see how it's not, because, like, in, I'm thinking of, like, Days and Confused, of, like, it's very much an ensemble movie, but at the heart is Pink Floyd, Randall Floyd. Yeah. Drake Bradford is not really anything in this movie. Like, he's just kind of, like, a board they put Blake in the Jenner movie. Factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. just like, we rotate around you, but everyone else around you is way cooler than you. Yeah, he he is kind of the least interesting guy in the movie. So, like, there's no way that, like, Powell... Like, there's no way... I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but, like, I don't think Linklater wrote in the script that he's, like, saying, like, oh, the people who perpetrated this folly. And then, like, onward, upward, and outward with, like, the the golf to, like, stick on, like, reason it is, like, yeah. schlong. <laughs> like, Powell just brings so much. Yeah, yeah, there might be... 
I don't know how Linklater works, but you'd think from watching his movies that he allows like some improvising and yes. like he kind of works with the actors and kind of you know because uh he may like work once he casts he may start working with them because you said that he kind of had them all hang out yeah there may be like a lot of changing of the script in that time too of like okay now that i know this guy can do this what if this character is a little more like this mm-hmm. you know kind of playing to their strengths even so one of the things he kind of talked about a lot in like the the stuff i read of like he said to the cast like look i wrote a mediocre script but i want to like change it as we kind of go along and like we have a script that we have now, but if that's the movie we end up making, I will be disappointed because I want all of the actors to bring themselves into this movie just as much as I want to put myself into it. And so I think that definitely means Powell had a heavy hand to play because he's, yeah. I, I, he probably is the second most screen time in this movie. Probably. Yeah. Cause like I mean, everyone else it. disappears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think so. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I remember he was what I came away like from the film thinking about the most was Glenn Powell. I was like, that guy's gonna be fantastic. Can't yeah, wait it was just like up. he's a star, and I just we just kind of both knew it at the time. Yeah. And it kind of felt like it wasn't gonna get there for a little while though. Like I, I felt that way because he's doing like hidden figures as like John Glenn, which is another supporting role. He's got set it up, which is really good, like we talked about, but it's not mm-hmm. the biggest movie in the world. He's in a movie with Louis James called The Guernsey Littering Potato Peel Society, which I watched just because Glenn Powell's in it. Was it yeah. good? It's charming, you know? It's a little cliche of, like, the romance of, like, she's with her American beau, and then she comes to this place in Ireland, and then she finds love with this native guy. You know, like, very much the cliche of that, and Glenn Powell's not in it as much as I would have liked. But it's good. You know, it's fun. Yeah. I probably would have not watched it just based on the title, but that's probably wrong of me to write movies off it is a mouthful <laughs> i was like what uh, oh it's directed by mike newell yeah he's donnie brask he's a good filmmaker yeah the guernsey literary and potato peel society it's just glenn powell likes his movies that have like long titles like everybody wants some and then that um mm-hmm. and then he's got apollo 10 and a half where again he retains link later but a very supporting role and yeah. then top gun hits top gun that's the big one for him god damn Everybody started talking about him after Top Gun. I was excited because it was one of those things where I, w- I was watching the movie. And I'm like, everyone's going to love this guy. They're gonna yeah. find- everyone's going to see it now. And then you walk out of the theater and everybody was like, Glenn Powell's fan. I'm like, I'm so glad you all know now. <laughs> I'm so glad everyone else is, is up for it now. They understand now. The Glenn Powell party. Like, it's very mm-hmm. much like the Paul Mescal thing of like when I watch normal people. I mm-hmm. was like, oh, this dude's, this dude's going to be around for the next like 20 to 30 years probably. Yeah, yeah. Now he's gonna be in freaking Gladiator. And, I know, and a Richard Linklater movie. I can't imagine anyone want a Top Gun to come out more when like pre-pandemic than Glenn Powell. Glenn Powell, like, <laughs> please, my life's gonna get started after this movie. He's like, out. don't delay it again, please. This is you gonna know, jumpstart my career. You know, he tried out. He auditioned for uh, Goose's son, the Miles yeah. plays. Yeah, and he didn't get the role, and then. Tom Cruise liked him so much they like added in I think the character he plays in the movie they like get, rewrote it for him or something because he liked him so much. I mean, how could you not like Glenn yeah. Powell? You know, like it makes a lot of sense. What's his name in that movie again? In Hangman. Hangman. Yeah, he's great in it. He fits the vibe so well. I love uh, it. Just... That's a good movie. I like Top Gun. That was a lot of fun. And, like, his career is, like, now just, like, blossoming fully. Like, he's got a rom-com with Sidney Sweeney, who Hollywood's just like, uh, you two, uh, great, young people, good, go, 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 we're gonna give you money. 
and then he's got like a movie with Link later called Hitman, which like pff, signed yeah. me up on their day one. Mm-hmm. And then I, I know you don't like this idea, but like for perspective on Powell, he's now playing the Sundance Kid in a TV show. Like he's huge. Oh now. yeah, the Butch Cassidy. I'm not like against it. I just like I will. You know, I'd rather just like a cool western with him than it need to be. You know, Butch Cassidy, Butch Cassidy the Sundance yeah. Kid again. You know, it's like we but, told the story, folks. <laughs> yeah, and like that's such a like a all time film. That's you know, and I love Glenn Powell, but like he's not. Newman or Redford yet, you know, like that's those are big shoes to fill. So you're like, okay, we'll see. But yeah, and yet I'm kind of like, I think he'll be really good in that. <laughs> I'm sure he will be. He's great, man. I love. He's him. just the fucking man. Like I, He's I also can't a TV talk show, about. I think too. It's like, yeah, on a TV show of. Like Butch eight hours of fucking that. Yeah, and then he's got Devotion this year, which I haven't seen as yet, but I know. I was saw a... that. Yeah, he's good. It was good. It was a good movie. It was a. It's one of those movies. Where it it looks good. I thought that. um Jonathan Majors is very good in it, and he's good in it. It's one of the, it's a it's a it's a it was good, yeah. It <laughs> it's about uh, a real person, like uh, a black, black like pilot, Navy, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jesse Brown, and um, he was one of the most like celebrated uh, pilots or something. And it was it seemed like a very important story, and I thought that the movie was was really good. I you know it just it was like one of my favorites of like the year or anything. But it was yes, good. yeah, it doesn't blow you away, but you're like, yeah, this is good. Yeah, this is, and, this and is fine. him and you know, Powell and Majors are are good in it, are really good in it. Yeah, Powell is just one of those guys that like kind of like Logan Orman. I've just like ever since I first saw him, I was like, all right, I'm putting a lot of cash in this guy. Like if I could, you know, if this was like yeah. a stock game, I got it all. And, Logan um, Lerman. I remember when I saw Perks of Being a Wallflower. When whenever that came out, I was like, "Logan Lerman is going to be the next DiCaprio." You've heard it here first. <laughs> I thought it was like this. There was Buzz. He was going to get Spider Man too, and then that never yeah. happened. And then he was in Fury. He was very good in Fury. I really like him, you know. He's but great. I just remember being like, "He's going to be the next DiCaprio. He's going to be up to uh, this guy. He's got it." Yeah, he's a very good actor, though. Yeah, I really liked him. He was in, but like, he was in like Bullet Train last year, and he yep. has like no lines. And I'm like. Why'd you get this guy? Like, why are we not using him more? He, I, I do think he is on a show with Pacino, though. They say he's very good in it or something. Hunters. I've, I, I've watched a little bit of Hunters because yeah, I just yeah. like Logan Werman so much. And it was okay. It's fine. I just couldn't believe Al Pacino was on a TV show. That just blew my mind. Like an Amazon Prime show. I was like, it's Al very Pacino. Weird. He's just on a show that no one's watching. That's insane. It's one of like the greatest actors of all time. It's tough. I just, yeah. I mean, just to like cap off casting, just like a terrifically cast movie. Where some of these people are never going to act again, probably like Temple Baker, the guy who plays Plumber, hasn't really done a whole lot of acting since because he was just a college kid who heard about the auditions and was like, "Fuck it, I'll I'll throw in an audition. I guess why not?" And they're like, "Yeah, we like you. You're cool." So mm-hmm. boom, great. You know? What's weird is that's also McConaughey's origin story. Yes, as he was he was just like not even acting. They just like threw him in. They were like he was just kind of like a guy that Linklater liked his kind of vibe. And film in the movie, and then he becomes one of the biggest actors of a generation. <laughs> I um I watched Days of Confused this week uh, for you the did? first time. Yeah, and like it's not quite Glenn Powell in this movie, but you do come away with that being like, man, that guy's got a certain thing going. Like he's got something. You know, the, he's he. I love that his first words in a film are "All right, all right." Like it's so perfect that that would be. The Matthew first thing McConaughey. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. And I love him. And I love McConaughey. He's one of my favorites ever. 
I feel like one thing we haven't mentioned with this movie is just like how funny it is. Like besides just like, oh, it's a good vibe. This is just it's laugh out loud funny. It, like I was saying, that guy, uh, the guy with the mustache, the uh, Jay Niles. Like, yeah, he kills me throughout the movie. <laughs> I'm the raw always- dog. <laughs> I just something about like just the confidence that he has in himself just destroys <laughs> me, and he's so he's so and like even when like Blake Jenner's character first gets there and he's at the house at the very beginning of the film and he's like he sees him like yeah. doing the like grip thing with his hands and he like yeah. waves at him like hey and he just stares at him like yeah. he's so like ready to fight everybody <laughs> and it's just so funny I, he kills me I love him. And a magnificent look of like the bull haircut and the aviator glasses, and then the you know, mustache. He looks so of the era, so era appropriate. Oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. And just like the one last thing is like in the weeks leading up to filming, Linklater also made the cast take dance lessons and baseball lessons. So like their mornings were dancing, <laughs> and their afternoons were just playing baseball. Like oh. it's just amazing that like he took that much attention to the detail for these things, and like it does feel good because I-, I like Days and Confused. But the biggest problem with that movie is like the idea that Jason London is a star quarterback. It's like that dude's about a buck fifteen, maybe. Yeah. Whereas like everyone in this movie, these guys like, do. These yeah, are these solidly are real, built. Yeah, yeah. These are big guys. Yeah, for sure. They're all real big. Yeah. Everybody wants them. Uh, it did have a smaller release. Uh, it peaked at four hundred fifty-four mm-hmm. theaters. Quite tough. Uh, number thirteen at the box office, and it did not make back its money, as you can kind of guess. Four point six million dollars of a ten million dollar budget. I, I guess Anna Perner considered this to be a disappointment, but I feel like for this movie, especially even now, I think a lot of students would be like, "Oh, that made four million dollars. That's more than we'll take for that." I don't remember it being marketed all that much at the time. No. I remember me mostly knowing about it just because I knew Linklater, and I was in like always like paying attention to like what movies were coming out. You know, well, it's released March thirtieth, which doesn't help. Like this should be a summer movie. Not with like a wider release, but like that's a good time for it. But instead, like like March, like spring's on the way, but it's not quite there. And like I don't know, it's a very odd time for that. Mm-hmm. Like if this is a June release, I don't think it does much better, but I think it's probably more appropriate for it. Yeah, it does have like a summer vibe. Like it kind of feels like it's summer. All of his movies kind of feel like that. They feel like you're like I want to hang out in summer and like watch a Linklater movie. I'm I, I'm trying to think of like an even like downcast looking Linklater movie, and I don't think I can. Like they're all primarily in the sun, yeah, with like a they, very warm color palette. Yeah, they all feel like I I always find myself watching Linklater movies in the summertime, for whatever reason. And yet, the only one that's like I think maybe not true is Before Midnight, which probably is a very tonal and intentional choice because it's a lot more of like that very sad nighttime conversation between Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. And, and yeah. yeah, but let's get into some conversation points. Is this movie centered on the wrong character to you? Um, Cause Jake well, Bradford sucks. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say he's, it. He's definitely the least interesting. The only thing I'll say is that, uh, I think that he works as just sort of a device that you can kind of just, put yourself in and you're like i can kind of just be this guy and hang out with these other guys that are more interesting yeah but i do kind of understand uh maybe that's why he is though because you have to like someone's got to play the kind of straight man sort of like regular guy amongst all these sort of fun characters right but then like when you think talk bring about daisy confused 
the main kid in Daisy Confused, uh, I, Randall, yeah, yeah, I, I'm more like, or even like, I don't know, yeah, I guess like there is no, there's nobody in Daisy Confused to me as sort of boring, I guess, as Blake Jenner in this, I guess, yeah, like, like Randall's not like a very like complex character, very much like Jake Bradford, but there's a little something of like, there's an awkwardness, there's like, uh, then also they have the kid, uh, yeah, in Dazed and Confused. Well, I'm who he takes care name. of, yeah, like, uh, yeah, who's also intro, who has like the sister, who's there as well, uh, uh, Heather, Heather, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, yeah, for sure. I, I, he is the least interesting. So I understand what you're saying. I've never like, it's never been like a problem for me, you know, where I'm like, this movie would be better if it, you know. But now that you bring it up, I am like, yeah, he is the least interesting of them. I, I mean, structurally, in terms of like the script, he has to be who he is of like the freshman coming in. And I think it's a very interesting juxtaposition narratively to go from Jason London's character and Daisy Confused being the guy who's about to be the senior, whereas Blake Jenner's the freshman. You know, like that's a very interesting spin on that kind of idea. And he's the outsider. They all kind of know each other for a while, and he's the outsider coming in. So he's going to be yeah. a little bit more reserved and a little bit like having to find out where he fits in. And then it has to be like how he tries to like become one of the guys kind of like you're saying. And then like, you can't have like this be like Gwen Powell's movie as much. Cause you know, why would Gwen Powell be going around and meeting all these people and all these like parties? Like it'd just be a day in the life for him. Mm-hmm. Whereas this has to feel more monumental for Jake's character. I just find it to be a really bland performance and a very bland character that like, I wish there was someone else in this role for this. Yeah. I don't feel bad because you say he's a bad guy, so I don't feel bad for, for talking crap about this guy. <laughs> this guy sucks. Fuck him. But like, um I don't I don't know, like there's just nothing to him. He's just like, yeah, I'm good at everything. I'm I'm kinda cool, I'm kind of attractive, I'm kind of a good pitcher, I have no fears, I have no anxieties. I'm I like kinda, I, I'm the quiet one in the back of the car. I know Sisyphus. I, I wrote a thing about Sisyphus somehow. Like I don't know how that happened. Like a dumb jock who's like, "Yeah, Sisyphus. I love that Greek myth." I'm you know, really smart too. <laughs> yeah, like, like he's just a very perfect character, which like just makes him so boring. Whereas like Jason London at least like has a little more angst to him, of like, "Oh man, I'm about to be a senior and everything's kind of closing in on me and all that sort of stuff." Whereas mm-hmm. there's just none of that with Jake. He's just he just sucks. <laughs> Like he's got good chemistry with everyone, and he's fine. And there's like one of the guys, but as our main character, I've never felt like he's like very intriguing or captivating. I'll go further and say worst character in cinema history. Whoa! <laughs> I don't think this movie's better if Tyrone Plummer, the catcher guy, is the main character. Yeah, but I I kind of would be a little intrigued to see what that movie's like as well because he's the other freshman or like Bromley. Like that's a little more interesting to me than like perfect. Blake Jenner, who knows kids from here or whatever, like it's it's just odd. Yeah, I got what you're saying. Where does this rank in the baseball filmography, or e- is this even a baseball movie? All right, so that's interesting because I read that when you sent me the notes, I was like, hmm, I never yeah. really thought of it as a baseball movie, but I definitely is allowed there because I mean, a whole, I mean, a big part of the film is these people are playing baseball. They love baseball. Yeah. We even have a scene where they play baseball, so. It is definitely a baseball movie, but I guess um, for me, when I think of like what are the great baseball movies, 
and my the for the things that pop in my head are are more like the natural or uh moneyball 42 or moneyball field of dreams field of dreams yeah it's those i don't really th- this this isn't one of the first things that pop up but i do love it and i could totally see why if somebody said this is their favorite baseball movie i'd be like oh yeah for sure it it does have enough of it to be a baseball movie it just maybe isn't what i when i'm in like a baseball mood this may not be the first thing i go to you know i may go to fill the dreams or you know moneyball first you know what i'm saying yeah like i'm looking at some lists right now of like best baseball movies and everybody wants them does get some pop on them every now and again mm-hmm. like mlb.com has it as number nine you know that's fair yeah I definitely don't think it's a baseball movie for everyone. Like, the baseball is so ancillary. Like, if these guys were on the football team, it's not really that different. Yeah. If they were hockey players, again, like, same vibe of just, like, guys hanging out, boys being boys. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of crass assholes. Yeah. So, in, in that way, it's not, like, tailored to baseball. And I, and this kind of sticks to the next part of, like, I wish there was more baseball almost. Yeah. Because, like, I, I'm very curious how Lincoln would direct, like, a baseball game. And I know you kind of can't have that with the movie because, like, baseball seasons are to the spring and college, and obviously if it's their first day, you can't have it. But I just mm. also would kind of want to see how Linklater does that because he's never done, like, a sports really anything. Well, the only thing I know of is well, he did the Bad News Bears movie, but... Well, uh, yeah, yeah, but that's, like, yeah. kids, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, he does have, like, a documentary on one of the, like, Longhorn, the Texas you know, UT Longhorn. That makes so uh, much sense. One of their, like, I think their coaches, I think he has a, a document. I haven't seen it, but, you know, uh, I, he's done it. Uh, so, like, baseball's kind of followed him around. And there's that scene in, there's a scene in Boyhood where they go and watch the Astros play. It's pretty fun. Yes. But, um, yeah, I, uh, it would be interesting to see him, because he doesn't really do action no. And weirdly enough, baseball, when you watch those baseball movies, when you watch like the natural, you watch um, Eight Men Out, or you watch, you know, any movie with like a lot of like actual baseball being played, it's kind of, they're usually structured kind of like action sequences. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it, it is kind of like an action sequence. And he's always so like, he's an incredible director, but he is very like a little simplistic and just, we're just going to put the camera on and let the characters kind of, you know, that does a lot of the heavy lifting. It's not really like, I'm doing an action sequence. You know, there's no like big camera movements and like how are we gonna like you know yeah. structure this action sequence. There's you know there's not really any of that from any of Linklater's movies that I can think of, unless I'm blinking. Like even like the closest you could get would be like the fact that he was gonna film like the moon landing in Apollo Ten and a Half, but then it ended up being an animated <laughs> thing. So yeah. Like, oh, okay. And even so, yeah. then, I don't remember that moment being like that, like stylistically, like innovative. You know, like it's very yeah. just stationary with the camera, which isn't yeah. a bad thing. No, no, yeah, it's just that's his style. He's very sort of simple when it comes to the way that he uses the camera, which is fine, and it works for his films. But yeah. I kind of, yeah, I can't really imagine him doing like a big baseball like sequence. But it would be kind of cool to see him do that and kind of, you know, maybe challenge himself with that. And even the baseball scenes in this movie are very simple of like, all right, we're going to be watching the pitcher wind up and then we cut to see the reverse of the hitter hitting the ball and then yeah. maybe like we cut a shot to the outfield or whatever. You know, but for the most part, we're not really like, like it's not it's not anything. And I, I think it's kind of intentional because I think a big part of Linklater Wake we've talked about is the mundanity of it all. Mm-hmm. So like to then have like a very flourishing shot would be very off-putting. It just wouldn't really yeah, make sense. Yeah, it wouldn't really fit with like sort of 
the way that he's sort of visually telling his story, you you know, usually it'd feel kind of like, whoa, we just got big all of a sudden. Yeah, but like the most baseball we get is like, ah, oh, man, he took Jay Niles deep. Mm-hmm. Ah, they they turned that double play on the game that didn't mean anything. It's just a little like for people who are all about baseball, which is these characters, there's never a moment where I'm like, oh man, they are really good at this, which is maybe partly intentional. Yeah. It's and not bet, like the yeah. Sandlot where like every kid's always like, the great Bambino, let's talk about Babe Ruth. Remember when <laughs> DiMaggio hit that? Remember DiMaggio's hitting streak in, thir- in the 40s? Remember, you know, like it's not that they're not like obsessively talking about like baseball history all the time or anything. Yeah. Do you think this team was any good? Because the more I watch this, the more I'm like, <laughs> like no. these guys talk a lot of like, man, screw the playoffs. We're going to the championship. And I'm like, you guys aren't going anywhere probably. Yeah, I think Superman is good. Tyler Hecklin. Yeah. Everyone else, I'm like, I don't know. I would love to think that the crazy guy with the mustache, uh, Jay, isn't Jay Niles. He, he said yeah. he went 95 miles per hour in a fastball. Yeah, I'd like to think that he went pro and then uh, like just crashed out because he got in <laughs> so many fights with people and everyone hated him. <laughs> and he was like doing... And he, I, I imagine he got involved in some kind of drugs eventually. And just, you know, especially like what is the eighties? Him and Pro in the eighties. I mean, can you oh, imagine? If you I mean, put him on the eighty six Mets, he ends Mets. Up oh, it's over. It's <laughs> over. He's with uh, he's with what's his face Doc missing Gooden. the parade? Yeah, with Doc Gooden missing the parade. He's yeah. <laughs> you it's put Doc Gooden with Jay Niles, and I think things would get pretty fucking wild. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah. if Jay Niles were a closer, maybe he's got some gas. Like, maybe that's a solid yeah. career. You know. Yeah. Or he just it, ends up dead in a bar fight. It would be kind of like, you know, I think, though, what could happen, though? Remember, what's his name? The quarterback that played on the Jaguars. Uh, oh, God. Mustache. Oh, the God. Mustache. You, remember, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, yes, yes. Where it kind of became, he became kind of like a character. Where people would, he would, like, <laughs> people just loved him because of, like, the vibe. Like, how he would show up and everything. That, I think, would happen to him. Like, people would love him for the character that he was more so than he even the talent. He'd be like... Uh, and I love this guy. Maybe like, not the same vibe as this guy, but how people love Boban for Boban's <laughs> sort of loving. Per- they'd love him yeah. for like the opposite. How he's like insane. See, if Jay Niles were real, like there'd be like a Sports Illustrated like post like this week being like the the craziest pitcher you never knew existed in 1980, yeah. and mm-hmm. then like his baseball reference page would just go through the roof on like clicks and everything. He'd be like, wow, this guy's crazy. Look at those stats, you know? Like he's probably doing like a ball. There'd be YouTube videos about him. Yeah. They break down like you've never heard of him, but he was insane. And we know McReynolds got drafted too. Like, that's the only other thing we really get a hint towards of like, oh, yeah, McReynolds got drafted at some point. And it's like, oh, interesting. Okay, so maybe he's good. Because they say he's an All American yeah. too. Well, he is. Yeah. I mean, he is. He, and he feels the least like he's putting on, you know, yes. like he feels like he's that guy. And I know one of the questions is one of our favorite scenes. I'm going to wait to, to bring it up then. But there's one scene in particular where I'm like, yeah, he's that guy. Yeah, he's, he just, he's so good at this. The other thing I want to figure out what we're talking about baseball is like, what position do these all, people like all play? Well, I know there's too many pitchers because they're like, oh, you're a pitcher. We have too many freaking pitchers yeah. or whatever. So I know there's a lot of pitchers. I wrote it down. I wrote it down for you. So we have, we have pitchers, Jake. Willoughby, who's off the team, so I guess it's an open spot in the rotation. Pretty cool. <laughs> uh, Jay Niles definitely does not actually throw ninety-five. Uh, Buter, who just he's just the worst. Uh-huh. Fucking <laughs> Billy Perkins, Buter. <laughs> There's some gnarly fucking like insults thrown to him, which are just great. 
Mm-hmm. And then we have Nesbit is the last starter well, I that like, I have. He's the guy with the mustache and the long. Yes. Hair, right? Yeah, like yeah, the guy. blonde guy. Yeah, he's great. Catchers, we have Plummer, the freshman. And then mm-hmm. in infield, we have Dale, and who plays second base. They say it as much. And then Coma, because there's a scene where they're like, oh, it's the best third baseman you'll ever see. And Coma is the guy with the, like, the mustache who's like very Christian or whatever. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who's always on the phone to his girlfriend? Is that him? No, that's Buter. Coma's the guy who, like, at the end is like, oh, the punk club. He's like, oh, people could use the Bible. You know, that sort of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in outfield, we have Bromley, who's the other freshman. But everyone else, no idea. And the only people we really care about are, like, Finn, who I saw him play first base during the baseball practice, but there's no way he plays first. And then we have Roper, and then we have McReynolds. Yeah. What does McReynolds... I assume McReynolds is an outfielder. See, I thought he would be a first baseman because he's like the power slugging, beefy first baseman. Well, look, you know more about baseball than me, so I will let you make the final decision. <laughs> I trust your <laughs> your your analyzation, your analysis. Yeah, no, it's just some baseball. <laughs> I trust yours a little bit more, so we'll go. I with can that. see he's him a- as like a as like an outfielder, like he's got a rocket arm and like he's like a, a slugging like two fifty kind of guy, but he doesn't really do much past there. Just the power bat, like a Hunter Renfro type. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I kind of get the vibe because he's like so well put together and, and no one cares about this in the podcast now. Like this is just us talking baseball, but like he's such a solidly built man CW Superman mm-hmm. that like, I can't imagine him in the outfield. Cause like, you've got to be moving to go through the outfield. Yeah, he does. Uh, yeah. He, and he does have kind of this, this, he has just a coolness that I feel like a classic first baseman. Yeah. Like he's the have. captain. Uh huh. Yeah, like kind of Keith Hernandez esque. Yeah, I was like gonna without... say he reminds me of Keith Hernandez a little bit. Like vision. Like I think that's what was right when you said it. I was like, yeah, he kind of has that look to him too. He's got the stash. He's got like the mm-hmm. like captain attitude, but probably less graceful than Keith Hernandez. Like he's probably not a good first base, and that's what he plays. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. I yeah, so I was thinking Keith Hernandez. That's exactly who was kind of popping in my mind. Who has <laughs> always kind of reminded me of. Yeah. So then where does Finn play? Where does Finn play? Um, I don't like, I've been trying to figure this out. Like, could he play short? I don't know. Maybe. It's such a fun, I, it's so funny because it is weird because you're like, I never actually imagined him playing baseball. Yeah. <laughs> he's so like his own character. I can't actually imagine him playing baseball now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> So, like, he's either a shortstop or an outfielder, I think. Because he does have the swagger and the confidence of, like, the shortstop who, like, thinks he's hot shit, but really is, like, he's just okay. I'm going to pick shortstop because that's what I played in Little League. Okay, and great. so I'm going to go with shortstop because I like and, Glenn Powell. And you're just like Glenn Powell. Okay. Good, I am good, good. so much like Jim We're both from Texas. We both like Richard Linklater. <laughs> one for one. Yeah, so then exactly. I guess Roper is an outfielder. Which so. makes sense. I I would have thought he'd be a third baseman, and then they say Comb is a third baseman. And I'm like, ah, shit. Roper, he's uh, with uh, he's the handsome guy with like yeah. He's hat, like, I right? got the best cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So no one else goes pro. We feel confident <laughs> on that. Yeah, unless it's uh, what's the crazy guy? Maybe Jay Niles. Jay Niles before he crashes out. <laughs> But there's no way he does. <laughs> he might have like a Billy Bean career where it's like he gets drafted maybe higher than he probably should have been. And then it's like all over within like two years. Just like injuries yeah, but he doesn't and like have the He doesn't get the... Uh, the, the money ball? Money, no, he does not get the, the like in office Billy yeah. Bean job. He's too crazy for that. He's, 
That'd be like if you gave like uh, Lenny Dykstra that uh, or something oh, like no. that, that job and just burns. The athletics are burned to the ground. If Jay Niles does have a lot of Lenny Dykstra to him. You're so right. Yeah, just he would like... be burnt to the ground. Okay. Here's the biggie question for you, Tanner. All right. What is this movie trying to say, if anything, to you? I think it's just trying to capture the feelings of that time in your life when you're mm. in, early, in your early 20s and, you're, and like that idea of like, you know, there's the mix of fun, the, the funness you can have that you're young and it's fun and, and the whole world's ahead of you. But then also, you know, like you said earlier that like, you know, eventually not all of your dreams are going to come true. No matter how lucky you are, not everything's going to work out. Mm-hmm. So it's like that mix of like, you're still in that headspace of like anything could happen, but then, you know, you start to see it get a little real towards the end. It's that the, the mixture of both anything's possible, but then also having to come to terms with certain things at the same time. Feels like capturing all of those sort of emotions and feelings. Maybe not all of them, maybe some of the more darker or, or realer ones, because it's such a fun movie. Mm-hmm. But I think it does its best in its, in, while sticking within its tone of trying to capture all those feelings that you feel, you know, at least uh, maybe in the 80s going into college, you know what I'm saying? Right. I think there's this very interesting common thread that I've noticed in like a lot of Linklater's work and especially the movies I've watched of like, there's almost always like a ticking clock or some destination the characters do not want to get towards. You know, like, and before sunset or before sun, I always get to like this before movies confused. Yeah, before like, sunrise, sunset, and then okay. midnight. So sunrise, the thing that they're all trying to avoid, and like this, like dread they have to face is like the train of like Jesse's got to get back on the train and go home. You mm-hmm. know, and the second one is he's got to get miss the plane, or he's going to make the plane, so he can only stay and talk with Julie Delpy first, and like he doesn't yeah. have a lot of time. And the third movie, well, I'll hold a table of that before I, I get to the rest of it. And Boyhood, it's like this, this like dread of like, oh shit, I'm getting older. And in this movie, it's like, oh no, classes start and real life begins. So mm-hmm. like, there's there's a very common thread to me of like when the party ends, kind of. Yeah, like exactly. Like there's this very interesting idea of like, man, this is great, but eventually reality's going to catch up and bite us in the ass. Mm-hmm. Days and Confused is like that too. Like it's a lot of the fun, but then it, it even more so gets in sort of the angst and the the problems within that time in your life in that world and everything even more so yes because like all of those characters are like oh man we're now seniors which means that we're one year away from this all being over and mm-hmm. then the party ends kind of like you're saying and like there's also this like very cool dichotomy of like dreams and reality and never wanting to face the latter and always wanted to stay in the former mm-hmm. and i think this is where before midnight comes in of like it's the saddest and darkest link later movie because it's the most realistic to me like, it feels like those two characters have finally gone from, like, wouldn't this be nice to, like, this is just what it is? Yeah. Where they can't even have, like, get intimate without, like, getting into a fight. <laughs> like, yeah. And, like, they're talking, like, oh, our kids and this and that, and, and what are we going to do about this? And you're cheating on me, and is it an emotional affair? Is it a legit affair? Does it matter? Like, all these very complex, heavy thoughts finally come to service in the third movie of that trilogy. Which is like such a rare thing for Linklater because he doesn't want to really handle that sort of stuff in a lot of his movies. Yeah, his movies are usually more upbeat and more fun. But yeah, but that movie he does get, he gets a little more serious there. Yeah, and like 
the Willoughby character and the Buter character are kind of coming to play with this almost of like what they're trying to escape of like Buter has the whole thing of like oh man my girlfriend thinks she's pregnant and then if that happens everyone jokes like your life is fucked but in reality your life is fucked <laughs> like everything changes for you yeah and, then, and yeah. Willoughby's kind of like uh mcconaughey in dazed and confused where yes on one side you're like oh this guy's kind of fun he's like the stoner he's kind of fun but then also you're like but it's also kind of sad like the line of like you know i keep getting older but they stay the same or whatever you're like yeah you know it's kind of sad and when you think about it and pervy you know, you know? Yeah, well yeah among <laughs> other things yeah but like it's also just kind of like dang that's kind of sad like when you tear away sort of the curtain of like the fun charisma of those guys and then you go, oh, it's kind of sad. Yeah, and like Willoughby also has that thing of like, he's 30, so he's been done with college for like eight years. And yet he's driving around America in his like van, convincing schools that he's younger than he is and that he's like a transferred senior. Because like he just doesn't want to face reality that the party's over and that he has to kind of like pick up his shit and figure it out. You know, like all the Linklater yeah. characters are all very like emotionally immature, kind of in that sense. Of, like, mm-hmm. they're not ready for things to begin. Yeah, for sure. And, I, yeah, I wonder if there's a little bit also with Linklater himself. Like, maybe, wonder if that's why he's always going back to those parts the of past. his life. Like, with yeah. Daisy Hughes or everybody wants him. Like, he, is that because he doesn't want the party to be over so he can kind of relive it through, you know, telling these stories? That's a really interesting yeah. question. I don't know. And, I just want, I just, it's something that popped in my mind, you know, of, of you know, if, because he says a lot of it is sort of autobiographical, but not too much, but it comes from sort of real life feelings or, or little things, you know, and, and so I wonder if that was a lesson he had to learn, like, because he played baseball and then it turned out that he didn't get, you know, he didn't become a big baseball yeah. player or star <laughs> or anything, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, and, you know, and he found sort of, fil- and he found film these other things if that was like a big moment for him where he had to realize, come to terms with the reality of the party being over. It's interesting you say that. Cause like, if you look at all of his filmography, like a lot of them are period pieces or like not, I don't want to say human, but are all like very odd and like eccentric and don't feel very real. Like days and confused period piece, boyhood kind of a period piece. School of rock is not real at all. Really like a politan and a half is a period piece. Everybody wants them as a period piece. The before movies, I don't know, I don't classify them as period pieces, but it is a, a really a literal correction of, like, he had that encounter with a woman on a train, and then he wrote what would have happened if things had been, like, yeah, right, yeah, kind you know? of a, Yeah, kind of a, a what if, yeah. Yeah. And then the last movie that I kind of think of with this whole thought of, like, the party's almost over is, like, Last Flag Flying. I don't know if you've seen that one. I have, yeah, with Brian Cranston and Lawrence Fishburne and, and, and Brian, Steve Yeah, Coyle, yeah, right? yeah. And, like, again, with that movie, it's almost like this thing of we can have fun and get up to our hijinks and all this sort of stuff. But at the end of that trip, I have to go bury my son. And then when that happens, oh, yeah. the party's over, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't really know where I'm going with this of like an overall theme, but I just always find it interesting that Linklater's movies are almost always about that kind of dread of yeah, like coming a to existential. Term, yeah. Coming to terms with the party being over. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And the other thing that I also thought was really interesting is, like, there's also a common thread of, like, <laughs> like machismo bullshit almost, but not really. Yeah. Like, the, the McReynolds character in this movie is very much like, I hate pictures and all this and that, and, like, 
talking to Jaden. It feels like mm-hmm. when he hits that home run off of him and just like dunks yeah, him. It's like, keep running your back, mouth. I'll find it to you. I'll find yeah. it for you. But then when Niles apologizes to him, he lets it go and is like, hey, man, it's cool. We're fine, you know? Yeah. And then the same thing in Days Confused of, like, they beat the crap out of that kid, and then they welcome into the fold. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's this very interesting mix of, like, oh, man, like, you're one of us, too. Like, yeah, like, we're all going to go through this sort of thing of, like, freshman batting practice, getting, you know, whacked on the butt with the, the stick or whatever. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know what that really says. But it is just interesting that Linklater kind of comes back to these things time and time again. Yeah, and maybe he comes from because he uh, he did play baseball very. Uh, he was really good, I think, in high school, mm-hmm. and I think he went to like Huntsville High School or something, and uh, and he was and he was like a good player, I think, and so he probably was around a lot of guys like that, you know, in locker rooms, and like probably did experience like. The both the camaraderie and the sort of the showmanship and the and, you know and the the versions of themselves that they would put up to make them seem even cooler or whatever like you probably experienced that firsthand, and then to see the like vulnerability be like exposed yeah. more yes yeah well, yeah yeah for sure yeah and even like the Finn character as much fun as he is I do think there's like a sense of like I, the the funniest joke in the movie to me or one of them is the whole joke like the Red Scout. You know, that's like coming around to see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like master disguise, watch mm-hmm. out, he's gonna be here at any moment. He's scouting us already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when when Blake Jenner's character is like, Yeah, you guys know that's all bullshit, right? Like I'm pretty positive what that is, is like there's that myth which someone made up and then all the players adopted it because it gives them that sliver of hope that maybe they'll get noticed. Yeah. And so when Jake brings it up, they're all like, What are you talking about? Like, of course that's real. Whereas Jake is the only like emotionally and like intelligent person enough to realize it's definitely not. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that's very interesting he, as well. He feels the least like the main character, Jake, he feels the least sort of hanging on to baseball. Yeah. Like yeah. all of these people feel like they're here because it's four more years to do what they love, which is play baseball. And they're not here at all and for an education. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like, a very misguided story of like use neglecting what they should be doing to do what they want, which is perfectly understandable. Um, and yet this movie like makes you like uh, complicit to the actions and having a great time with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What a movie. All right, let's talk yeah. about some, some best stuff. The best scene. I have a couple of right. candidates. You throw this more at me as we go. I wrote dancing at the club slash party at the house. Mm-hmm. Just a great time. Um, ribbing Buter as he's leaving where they're just like oh man she's she's testing you Buter if you go back mm-hmm. what does that say like that I have Mick mm-hmm. Reynolds hits the baseball with the axe and chops it in half it's yeah. so cool mm-hmm. that's a great bit yeah party at the, the music club the country music club yeah where they do the, the country dancing the Cotton Eye Joe yeah just having a great old time Gwen Powell's Classic riding a bull Texas. yeah He's just probably so good at it. Um, <laughs> He's good at everything. What is he not good at? <laughs> and then I forgot to keep writing them down, so I ran out. But you know, every you other scene. Thinking about you, sort of thinking about uh, Glenn, Glenn Powell, Powell riding the bull, and I was just like, oh, all the other scenes, I can't remember them. I just think of Glenn Powell riding the bull. My favorite scene is when they play baseball, the practice scene. I love yeah. that scene just because it has all the things I want in the scene. It has Glenn Powell being fun, but it has. Uh, Niles going crazy, yeah. and uh, uh, and uh, 
McReynolds like really getting to like put show him in off. his place a little bit and show yeah. off and like have a really cool moment. But yeah, that's I probably th- my favorite scene. I also like the scene a lot of of Blake Jenner and Zoe Deutsch on the river, just in like the yeah. boat. Like it, that's nice and cute. Yeah, but I sure. think I think the best scene is probably. I really like the punk scene of like when it's just Finn and Jake talking about like what's going on and like also <laughs> I'll I'll stick with the baseball scene too because I love the whole talk about the superstitions of how Coma gets mm-hmm. the hit and they're like well therefore this new helmet is now the new lucky helmet because that's how it goes. It's like why is it always the worst batters that have the most uh, superstitions <laughs> or whatever he says? Because they have to believe there's some reason that they're not doing as well. Yeah. 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 Best quote. My favorite quote, I, I, I mentioned it earlier, but I love the, hey, go get that ball back. I'll sign it for you. That's such a cool line. I was like, oh, that's so cool. I wish I had said that to somebody <laughs> after hitting a home run. It just, I was like, man, that guy must feel so cool. Because right it's the perfect, only happens in movies, but like the perfect moment followed by the perfect line, followed by like the perfect guy saying it. You're like, <laughs> this is just cool. What a cool guy. I'm just like, man, he roasted him so good. He, he just taught him a lesson. Mm-hmm. I have so many quotes. It's almost like a full page. There's also, I don't know if you have this one there, probably not, but I thought it was funny. Uh, the catcher uh, had a line where he, they talk about the water bed, and he's like, man, have you ever tried having sex on a water bed? It's like having sex with a girl on top of a really fat girl. <laughs> I start with Plummer when he goes, she looks like my fifth grade teacher, and Finn goes, yeah, she's built right. I don't even know yeah, what that, that was- means. Yeah, I remember that's funny. right when they're when they're uh, when they're trying to get the girls to come to the party yeah. or whatever they're driving around. Yeah, yeah. And the next moment is when Jake's like, "Hey, stop the car! I want to see what room she went in." And Roper goes, "That just went from cute to a restraining order." Yeah, thought that was good. I like when Plumber I, points at his dick. De- Go ahead. And I like in that scene how they ask him, and then they just r- circle around and come back <laughs> on Glenn Powell's side. And he's like, "I'm sorry, I just saw that guy hitting on." That was very weird and rude of him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just thought it was, it was so like perfectly. He just handled it so well. It was so funny. We have uh, when Plumber points to his dick and goes like, "There's your joke," or whatever. And Finn goes, "Did he just call his dick a joke?" And Dale goes, uh-huh. "That's what he implied." <laughs> There's so many good bits just in the car ride. I'm realizing. Yeah. Well, this is not a quote, but I just like that Finn had a sign that says, Ye old fornication under consent king of the room. And then there's a penis right next to it. Mm. Just good. Just funny. I like that they have like the hoses tied together all the way outside. And then like, it's all like coming apart and they're doing it horribly. And just, man, this house is so freaking old. They're destroying it. And they I yell can't. at him as soon as he walks in. Hey, go, go turn the faucet off. What are you doing? Go turn the faucet off. <laughs> yelling at him. He doesn't even know what's going on. And that's how they introduce him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote Jay Niles. Is, I get it. I get it. I get it. I'll fucking go home. I got shit to do. I'll do some push-ups. How, how's that sound? I'll do some push-ups, do some abs. I'll come back looking awesome. I'll read a book. Fuck it. I'll run home. Fuck it. And then he just sprints off the screen. <laughs> I know. I love it. It's one of my favorite characters. If... That that guy could have been like Linklater's Jay and Silent Bob if they he just pops up in every movie just for one bit to be just be do something hilarious and stupid. Like it doesn't matter what era we're in. Like we could be <laughs> yeah. like before midnight and Jay Niles just shows up. He's perfectly yeah, it's fine. That, it's that guy being like just it's some other job, but he's the same guy just as ridiculous and full of himself <laughs> and psychotic. <laughs> We have Willoughby's, which is, I think, the most like poignant quote. 
you've got to fucking embrace your inner fucking strange man. Just be fucking weird, you know? And when you know it, when you do that, you bring who you are, never who they want. And that, my friend, is when it gets fun. Great quote. It's like you can put them in like your high school yearbook, maybe with like exactly. less curses. Yeah, or keep the curses to make it edgy. Yeah, because you're just an edgelord. <laughs> yeah. All the will-be quotes are just bangers, you know? They're just really like poignant stuff sometimes, besides like, what am I doing telepathic stuff with, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Finn <laughs> when he's talking to the girl at the bar. I'm actually starting to be a kind of linguist. It's a major you can actually practice before graduating. Sometimes I feel like I'm just, you know, buried in my work. But it's, I feel it's important to give back. Yeah, no, he's such he's such that guy. <laughs> such a fucking dick, but like yeah, I, I just love him. Plumber mm-hmm. uh, with I think the saddest quote: "All these people will never be anything more than some dude doing some job, just like everybody else." Which I think goes very much to the point of the movie that like these baseball players are talking about themselves like they're above that. And you know what's interesting? This, yeah, talking about Linklater, uh, he all of his movies are kind of about regular working class people. Yeah. Yeah, they, like, even though he is, like, a filmmaker, you could tell he comes from that world, and, like, all of his stories are about real kind of regular people that, like, do, as they put, like, dudes that do some jobs like everybody else, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's always what his movies are about, too. Yeah, there's no one character I can think of who's like, oh, he's the best at his field at anything. They're all kind of well, screw-ups. Ma- the closest is sort of Ethan Hawke in the before trilogy. He's like a writer who's like published yeah. books and stuff. But that's like the closest it gets. Everybody else is usually like just a regular working class person. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. And I also love how in this movie, like the baseball players hold themselves up to like such a degree of like, oh, what if someone asks you your major? You just say you're a baseball player. Like that's just who you are. Mm-hmm. And then like <laughs> These people will never be anything more than implying that, like, they're not, like, they're all going to go pro and have these great careers and, like, be millionaires when 90% Mm -hmm. of them, besides maybe McReynolds, are probably just going to end up, like, in an office. Yeah. Sad movie. It is. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's one of them, one of those movies that's really fun about something that could be looked at kind of sad, but it's the movie's kind of fun at the same time. It's like (laughs) that weird mix. Yeah. I have Jay Niles. You know what they call me? The Raw Dog. Just a great sports nickname with like the worst reason possible. Oh, and then I don't remember who said this, but they go, were we supposed to wear a costume? And someone goes, you are wearing a costume of a dipshit. Just I don't good. remember that either. Good. Yeah, that's a good line. It's uh, my favorite has got to be Wilby's. You got to embrace your inner strange. Yeah, that's a great it's line. Just, I just mess with it a lot. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's 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 got more. Uh, it's got more to it. See, I chose just sort of. Uh, <laughs> I just just like a cool guy. You just line. wish you were McReynolds. It's, you yeah. can just say it. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Keith Hernandez. Best song yeah. drop. I have My Sharona as Jake drives into campus. Yeah, that's a great opening one. Rapper's Delight as the guys drive around campus. That one might be my favorite just because I like it's how they're f- all kind of doing it together. Yeah, like the, it's, it's a whole, it's probably my favorite. Have you seen the video of them doing like a, their original song as they're walking through the set? No. I will send that to you when we're done, but it is a delight. <laughs> yeah. It's like all the characters yeah, in character singing their own songs. It's just very odd. I have Fearless, What Will Be Drives, uh, What Will Be Smokes from the Bung. You know, just like mm-hmm. listen to Pink Floyd, talking about how it goes up and up and up, and then, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. We have Whip It during bat- baseball practice. Pretty good, you know? Yeah. Uh, Rough Boys during freshman batting practice. Pretty solid. But I mean, it's got to be Rapper's Delight. Yeah, that's my favorite one for sure. It's just fucking great. It's so Fantastic. good. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Tanner, we've reached back to Elvis. Oh, no, here we go. Crap on, crap on my movie once again. It's time for the Colonel Tom Parker Award this week. I am the legendary Colonel Tom Parker. You look lost. Get ready for the spotlight. Uh-oh. I will protest. I'll, I'll, you know, I won't protest it. I'll just allow it. Even all this Elvis slander, I'll allow it to well, happen. Hold on. So, so this is interesting because you're the first person who's been on the show that really liked Elvis. I loved Elvis. I okay. adored Elvis as a film, I have to say. Okay. Not now, even in a joking way. Like I, I know. I, think, I, know. I really think it's great. Yeah, go on. <laughs> I, I don't begrudge you that. And I, I certainly, I, we've had many debates about Elvis the movie, so I don't want to have another one on <laughs> air. But like, I think you can agree with the consent of this award, which is like crazy acting performance that is just like at 10. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, like Hanks just Hanks like is going for ten for sure. <laughs> that's what the Absolutely. so that's why I think our runaway nominee is probably Jay Niles. Absolutely, he's got to be. He's got to be it. Kind of <laughs> like Mick Reynolds, he's very much in like the Fred O'Banion, which has been Affleck's character from Days and Confused kind of role. Yeah, where it's like super intense, probably a psychopath, and probably this is the best his life will ever be. Yeah. Though he did, though uh, Jay Niles does not seem very happy in no, the best he's part of his life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we he's have, got some work uh, to do. We have Nesbit, who's the blonde-haired pitcher, which we all we all like. Mm-hmm. Probably not doing enough crazy things to really warrant yeah. it. We have yeah, Justin, Jake's former high school friend. Yeah, yeah, he's just he's just like discount Eddie Munson. He's just kind of a punk. He's just an '80s punk. It's fine. Yeah, I think Buter. Is maybe maybe in contention. He's doing that like thick voice. He's like the inverse of Wooderson. He's like a country bumpkin that actually respects yeah. people and wants to be good. Yeah, he's the one that's always on the phone with his um, girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Hey, and I like, he's always like, "Hey, Jacob, what's going on?" He's like, "My name is Jake," and he's like, "Oh, that's all right, Jacob." Like, just a very down to earth guy. Bottle. <laughs> But I think it has to be Jay Niles. Yeah, it's a Jay Niles sweep, man. He's got it. I mean, it's it's a hell of a thing to do on the show to, to sweep, you know? Mm-hmm. I can't even get the actor's name, unfortunately, but I will send the award to him as soon as I can. It'll be in the mail. Oh, Tanner, that's it. This podcast is in the mail. We're sending it out. Dang, man. Dang. What a where film. Can people, what a picture. Uh, where can people find you, sir? Uh, if you want to shout out anything. I just on Twitter. I don't. Uh, there's probably no reason uh, to follow. <laughs> Self promotion. No, I, mean, I, really do, I don't do anything of of note. But if you want to hear people tweet about old '40s movies a lot, and uh, Glenn Powell and uh, the Elvis movie, I guess you can follow me um, on Twitter. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, and if you go, I think my YouTube channel. I think I have a. I think I updated my link. Maybe it may be like a easier to get to. Let me look at that real quick. I know this go is ahead. Taking longer than it it should. Uh, YouTube just... Yeah, if you go YouTube.com/slash Tanner, uh, what it should just pop bring it to my channel. But I don't know. I don't post much anymore. You get it. This is just the best self promotion I've ever heard of. Just like I, I just bombed the self promotion. I don't do much. Yeah, anymore. like I used to, you know, I tweet. I'm like, I'm yeah. alive. Like you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's all I really do is I tweet and I'm alive and I watch old movies that no one else has seen. 
<laughs> Such a sadness to this. Oh man. Look, I have fun with my old movies. I have fun. You too. <laughs> I have fun. I'm going to one day I've seen all of them. And, no and then more they're gonna release another them. one. They're gonna release Shazam five, and then you'll be like, Oh, I gotta watch that now too. Watch Shazam five. Shazam five. Shazam and Shazam. It's gonna be the title. Uh, will it make it to five? I don't. I. I think. No, I think, they're not I making it to three. Out at two. Yeah, I think it's. <laughs> I don't think we're getting a trilogy. You know. All right. Well, that was that. This is that was everybody wants some. It's a great movie. It is very good. One of my favorite Linklaters. I, I hope everyone watches it if they haven't. Uh, thank you for listening and watching. You can check out uh, our podcast at road underscore dogs on Instagram. Uh, I think that's maybe right. I don't know. This is Nick's job most of the time. So, you know, it's a tough look. We'll be back next week with, uh, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing next week. Godfather. <laughs> While Nick's Citizen away, Kane. we're doing all the best movies in a 10-hour podcast. Kane. Lawrence of Arabia. We're just doing all the big epics. Like, <laughs> she's missed out. You miss it, you miss it, buddy. I thought about doing like Scott Pilgrim, and I was like, maybe. So maybe expect Scott Pilgrim next week. I don't Ooh, know. That could be fun. I'm not quite sure. I haven't seen that in forever. Well, Tanner, you should watch it again because it's really good. Yeah. There's just, I remember there just being a lot going on. You know, people are jumping out of windows, they're cutting. You know, Edgar Wright <laughs> was having fun with that one. Yeah, but, uh, but Road Dogs out. <laughs> 